Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 187 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is February 26th, 2020. Jeez, 2023. I'm Robert Ring. With me is Jay, as always. Hello. Hey, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. And also joining us today is Steve from the Polymedia Network of Podcasts. You probably know him from, from the Polykill Podcast, as well as any number of other ones. Steve, <laughs> what you up to? Uh, hi, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Uh, hope, hopefully we can talk about some fun video games. I hope, Steve, what are all of the different podcasts that you are on? I, didn't, I know you're, there's more than one. I don't want to try naming them because I knew I would miss something. So I'm not as prolific as some people on the network, but I'm on Polykill, which is our podcast all about beating games. And then I'm on Indie Quest, which is a show focused on indie games, obviously. Okay. I thought there was, for some reason, I thought there was one, one other that was slipping my mind, but it's, but it's just that and Indie Quest. Yeah. I've guessed it on a couple of the other ones on the network too, but those are my only two routine ones. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe that's, maybe that's what I was thinking of. So Steve, along with, along with podcasting and stuff, you are... I have written. I have in my notes here. Steve equals collector. That's, I mean, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, <laughs> you're quite the collector of of not 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 just old games, but but games in general. Um, yeah. Any? Can you give us an estimate? Whenever I see you stream, like it's just a wall of it's like a GameStop behind you, except better. <laughs> um, what is? Do you have any idea about how many games you have in your collection? I don't know the exact number because I track it in two places. There's a website called Backloggery, which if anyone's familiar with it, is a site. It's not really a collector-focused site. It's focused on playing through your backlog, hence Backloggery. Um, so that includes digital games. Uh, and then I also used to use the collector like tracker on Game Value Now before that seemingly just kind of got abandoned and they don't really update the site much anymore. Uh, so it's it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,500 unique physical games, give or take a couple hundred, probably. Gotcha. So yeah, um, go across, you know, everything from Atari up through PS5. It's across everything. Yeah. What what is what's the mo- what would you say is the most obscure console that you have at least like one or two games for? Uh, I have. Two or three games for a handheld called the Tapwave Zodiac. Wow! Which, if you're not familiar with it, it's like it's a like a Palm Pilot that also sort of in the same way that the N Gauge pitched itself as a we're a cell phone, but we're also a game handheld. Oh, it was wow. we're a Palm Pilot, but also a game handheld, so you can play like a couple of random ports of different games. Like there's a port of spy hunter that's on there there's some like miscellaneous arcade packs so i've got a couple games for that i have a surprisingly large gizmondo collection if you've ever played a gizmondo it Giz- was i'm not i don't have that either i, mean, I don't know what that is oh is this the oh i know okay this is the one that they thought that like the the rumor is that it was some kind of uh it, it was like basically used in some way to kind of like launder like from, yeah, like yeah. a money laundering scheme. I don't I don't know the detail, but yeah, there's something about like the mafia and money laundering involved in the the <laughs> system's poor performance or you know whatever financial dealings led to its downfall. But functionally, it is it's a handheld that came out right along like right around the time of the PSP launch, and it's a pretty nice like screen on it. 
Uh, but it was only sold, and I mean, this is what I've heard online, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I think it was only sold, at least in North America, in like mall kiosks and stuff. You could never go yeah. to like a Best Buy or a GameStop or anything and pick one up. So it sold just super poorly. It's one of those systems where most of the games you see online are the like review copies because no, very few retail copies probably ever got purchased <laughs> from anywhere. Um, but yeah, I have. At a long time ago on Mercari, there was someone who was selling a bunch of uh, like demos and pre-release games for that. So the library itself for the Gizmondo is only like probably like eight, nine games, something like that. But I have I have something like fifteen different things because I have a bunch of demos and stuff. It it the games that are on there are pretty good. There's a game are called there? Toy Golf that's a pretty legit like mini golf game, which is a weird thing that I'm into. Um, the pack-in game, the one that everybody remembers is the pack-in game. It's called Sticky Balls, which is like a <laughs> puzzle game. So I kind of uh, remember you, that, that, the name now, like when I, yeah. I remember I, I watched some, like kind of some video about this on YouTube a while back and I, and I remember Sticky Ball and I remember the guy, there was some, so there was some thing about him, like crashing his Ferrari, like the, <laughs> the owner, the owner or the, whoever was in charge of this, like it was like right after or right before they went on a business, there was like some major Ferrari crash where he, he was going like 160 and it like sliced the car in two, but he somehow made it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's just as many rumors or like weird stories or oddities like that as there is like legitimate information about the system. So it's, <laughs> it's very obscure. It's definitely the type of thing where like, yeah, there are a couple games on it that are fun. Uh, but for like, how hard they are to come by and at this point how like expensive they are to collect it's definitely the type of system that only if you're someone that really appreciates an oddity are you really gonna seek out or do anything with it's it's more about the the novelty of playing it at this point i think right yeah i'm looking i've got the wikipedia page uh, pulled up fewer than twenty five thousand units sold (laughs) (laughs) yeah so not super popular it it's a bummer too because they used that um Whatever that type of rubber is, I think it was more common on cell phones back in like the early 2000s where, you know, 20 some years later, the rubber deteriorates. And so they're all, you know, to play off of sticky balls here, they're all very sticky to hold. Like they're, they're kind of unpleasant because the rubber wants to like mm. glob onto your hand. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not ideal. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember there, there was also some supposedly like some sort of extremely, very extravagant like release party where they hired a bunch of like celebrities or so like they it sounded like they spent more money hiring celebrities for the release party like far more than they did on actually developing <laughs> the, the the handheld yeah I, I think it's just the launch lineup that came out with the system and then i don't know if there's ever another game there might have been one or two other games that ever came out for it wow and you've got one yeah i can't i couldn't resist something about the novelty of it I wanted to check it out. And my my logic is always uh if there's if there's even a single game on a system that I'm interested in checking out, that's enough for me to at least put it on my wish list. At this point, you know, things are so hard to come by that most things stay on my wish list at this point, but back when I was hunting the Gizmondo down in like 2014, 2015, that it was a lot easier thing to, you know, catch an eBay search and pick one up for 20, 30 bucks. I, just, I feel like Robert. That's your exact philosophy. If I had to guess, I, well, I just posted a picture in, in our chat of the guy <laughs> of, who was like in charge of it, and he definitely looks like a trustworthy. He, he looks like yeah. A trustworthy I, was say, I, was to, 
not trying to be too judgmental, but yeah. <laughs> that guy looks like he used to do sloppy steaks and slick his Oh my right. god, Robert. <laughs> season three, by the way, May uh very pretty soon. Of I think you should leave season three. <laughs> yep. Nice. Um well, Steve, we're we're excited to have you on. You've kind of you you you're sort of like an omission in our guests so far. I I was like it kind of like I had yeah. a light bulb go off, and I was like, why haven't we had Steve on yet? And that was when I asked you if you wanted to come on. So so thank you for coming on. Yeah, I was I was honored to come on. You know, I'm not going to say that I was you know, losing sleep or crying, but you start to see a couple of different <laughs> polymedia people show up as guests, and at some point, you check your mailbox two or three times a day, wonder when you're going to get your invite. <laughs> There, I just wanted to make it more. I thought if I waited a little bit, it would be even more special for you. Yeah, best for last or something like that. Right? <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, so uh, Jay, have you had anything going on worth talking about before we jump? Before we start talking about games, I will keep this as short as possible, and I apologize ahead of time. You guys may hear the background noise. I'm very far north in Frosthaven, where I've been for the past <laughs> I don't even know how many weeks now. It's been, uh. I don't know. I think I think I got mine like two. I, I think I messaged you when I when I got it. Right. Wait. Right? I thought this was a board game. It is a board game. How are we going to hear it? I, I was joking. That that was the joke. Thank you for for calling out. Robert. <laughs> I don't get the joke. I don't. Sorry that I don't get the joke. Uh, well, because I have uh, my, the joke was I've been so ingrained and in it. it, it's a very uh, immersive game. Like the, the the game itself is like very very immersive. But uh, I I've been doing nothing. Well, not nothing. But I've been doing almost nothing but play Frosthaven for the past. However many weeks it's been, I waited three years to get it, and it has been everything I could have hoped for and more. They did a great job. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. I, when Oh, you're not coming out in May, but next time I see you, I'll show it to you. It's just, they did a fantastic job. It was definitely worth the wait and the money, and we, my, my roommates and I, and my wife and I have been playing nonstop, and it's just, yeah, I literally can't, can't not play it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really happy with it so far. I'm glad it lived up to it. Me too. Yeah, I was I was a little nervous about that because I've gotten burned by a couple things in the last couple of years. And I'm like, man, if this sucks, like I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle it. <laughs> yeah, so. right. Well, it was it was it a Kickstarter? Was it like a fundraiser thing? Yeah, yeah, they did a Kickstarter a few years ago, okay. and uh, there was just delays due to COVID and everything else along the way. So they right. they finally got released and shipped to the US. Awesome. Yeah. So well, good. Um, I've I've had two personal developments. Uh, in my life since the last, it's been oh yeah, it's been a month. Since, I was like, I was about to say it's, it feels like it, it feels like it's been a long time, but it had, but it actually has been a little bit longer than usual because yeah, we, yeah. we had to wait an extra week. Uh, I did my first half marathon a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, how'd it go? Wow, it, congrats! It, thanks. It was uh, it went really well actually. Uh, it was it went better than I thought. So a few weeks, gosh, maybe even about a month beforehand, I injured my knee basically from like running to like like running. I was upping my distance, I think, faster than my body was ready for. And I got patellar tendonitis uh, on, in one of my mm -hmm. knees, which made it pretty painful uh, to run. And so I more or less had to stop running for like the three weeks leading up to it. <laughs> and so I was... And I, and I, I started, I went to my doctor, I started doing physical therapy. So I was, and I was stretching a lot. So I was doing things to improve the knee itself, but I had to, but I was, but like I said, I more or less had to stop training for a while. And, uh, being that this is that I had never done it before. I was like, you know, 
I had just now gotten to the point where I felt like I could do this and then I had to stop training. So I was, I was very scared that I wasn't going to, that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And also that like my knee was going to flare up during it. And I just, and for that reason, all, you know, it was like one or one of two things could happen to keep me from, from being able to finish, but I managed to finish. And I also beat my own personal record by eight minutes. Congratulations. So I was yeah. super happy about it. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. I was excited. I nearly, I nearly like collapsed when I finished. I, uh, I was talking, you know, uh, uh, Jeff who, who writes in a lot. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, he does marathons a lot. So I was like getting some, I was talking to him, getting some advice. And one of the things he said is that no, and I mean, I guess this kind of goes without saying, but one of the things he, he did tell me was nobody ever regrets like putting in extra effort on the last couple of miles, like just kill yourself and you know, it might suck, but you know, you'll be happy that you did afterward. So I didn't, so like the last little bit, I, I, I didn't like completely burn out because I just did not have the energy to do that, but I did up my pace a little bit. And when I got to the end, I, they had this table of water bottles and I like had to, they were kind of like a lot of the ones in front were taken. So I had to sort of lean over a little bit to grab one and I nearly just fell the hell over. I had to, <laughs> I had to catch that. myself on the table. Uh, uh-huh. And then I went and they had like barbecue sandwiches and beer afterward for any, for, for all the finishers. So I went, Did you and, eat after that? Oh yeah. I mean like when you, uh, when, okay. after, after, 13 miles you're just well for me at least you're just starving um so i went and got a sandwich grabbed a beer sat down drank the beer stood up and nearly fell down <laughs> a second time <laughs> that's too funny uh but it was overall it was it was super fun um i'm i'm trying to find i'm, I'm looking for like scenic places this was you know, this one was local and it was just through through the city pretty much I'm trying to find like some like some one some of the ones that they do in like state parks or like right just right outside state parks and that kind yeah. of or national parks yeah stuff like that. Um, so I'm looking for I'm, I'm looking for another one to do. I had a, I had a lot of fun. Just uh, so you're all aware, Robert's in, in incredible shape. Don't let him ever tell you otherwise. So, well, I'm I okay. So yeah, thank you, Jay. I do I do try to stay in good shape. I've always been a bad runner until I I never really ran until last summer I started running. Um, and I'm still not a great runner. I fit in my eight or so in the 35 to 39 male demographic, like for this race, I finished 104th out of like 134. Okay. So yeah, I, yes, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm not a great runner. So that was another kind of big deal for me. Like I've always been really terrible at running and, just, just kind of just finishing was, was my goal. And so I was, I was happy to do that. Like I said, I did break my own personal record, but it was still, still only like, that was like two hours and 22 minutes for 13 miles. Um, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. What's that? Uh, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. That was my, that was the second thing I was going to bring up. I hit the 40 year milestone. Um, did you really? One uh-huh. Congrats. Week. Another Ex- congrats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One week ago today. I I made it to forty. Uh, how does it? Is it hurt? Tell me about it. I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. What's the view from? Yeah, the top I told you about my knee. I got shoulder problems. <laughs> Shit. I, I, it's weird. Every year, I feel like you and I get closer and closer in age. I know that's not physically nope. or mathematically possible, <laughs> but every time not. we talk about it, I'm just like, I feel like I'm getting closer to Robert's age. We need to stop hanging out. I think a little bit. Let it kind of sparks <laughs> back that, out. That's how it works. 
Got to reset. Yeah. Uh, oh. Jay, you're you're 33 or 34? I'll be 35 this year. I'm 34 now. Okay, yeah. 34 now. Okay. Nice. Same here. Oh, okay. Excellent. Awesome. Most attractive people are 34, but yeah, I find that's true. Yeah. Most attractive no people are 34. <laughs> <laughs> Until next year, then they're going to change the statistic to 35 and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying for this study, no matter how much they tell you. That makes a lot of that makes sense. I can. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't we talk about video games? Um. Uh. We got okay. So there's a little bit of news. Oh wait, you know what? Sorry. One 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 other thing, real quick. So this is this is perfect timing. Um, this is, so I'm, uh, I think I've mentioned this. I am, uh, a member of the Polykill discord. So I, I talk with Steve a lot and, and a lot of the other, like, you know, people who, who are involved in slash listen to the, uh, poly media podcasts. And, uh, a couple weeks ago, Jay, somebody, uh, muddy river in the, uh, in the discord said he was asking who the other guy on, on the podcast is on our podcast is. And I was like, Oh, that's yeah. Jay. And he says, uh, uh, I, he says, Jay has good takes. It's not even oh, yeah. so much the takes, his tone and delivery are great. The latest episode, I liked his Red Dead Revolver take. It put words to a lot of my own thoughts on the game. I was hoping that game was a lot better than it was. I appreciate that. That's very kind. I try, in all seriousness, I try really hard to like, when I'm expressing my perspective on games i try to literally do it in the most honest way i can when we first did the podcast i was much more like tame and tried to be non-controversial because i was like oh i don't want to be wrong on my opinion but in the last like several years i've gotten more of like i just want to try to have like a take that feels authentic to me and yeah uh yeah yeah, if that makes any sense which is hard to do sometimes because you're like i don't want to piss a bunch of people off but Uh, not that that necessarily piss people off but um, and then also Burger Champ, who who has written into our podcast before, he he followed up and said Jay has some fantastic takes. Hell yeah, brother, dude! You guys, you guys are too kind. I appreciate it though. I really appreciate that. All right, news. Uh, pretty much we got the the only news. I, I feel like I'm missing something, but uh, the main one, the main thing that happened was the Nintendo Direct. Oh, I remember what it was. Uh, so not not technically classic gaming related, but but I think it's worth noting and talking about. Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo are all not going to be part of E3. I saw that. Did they say why? You might be just about to talk I about think this. it's just kind of the obvious like thing that's been going on forever, which is it's not really necessary anymore. Yeah. I, I assume that they'll probably have like usually Nintendo does like a Nintendo Direct around that time yeah. and they do their own showcases. But it every year I'm surprised like when a news story comes out like this for the last few years, I'm always like, I'm surprised we even have E3 anymore. It kind of seems like no one has yeah. just made the hard call to pull the plug permanently on it, but it's it's definitely on life support. I, I was yep. that was exactly my perspective on it because I, I was really curious how they were making like how it was profitable at this point, but or if it's profitable, I guess. But yeah, and you have Jeff Keighley doing his thing that peels off. I think a lot of what E3 was too. So it's. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Definitely not, you know, the the E3s of like the early 2010s that I remember being like a really big to do. It's like he 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 accom- his stuff is now accomplishing like you said the same thing that E that uh E3 did, but also yeah. it has a purpose. Like <laughs> like E3 I mean, not like so E3 obviously had a purpose, but it was kind of like pointless like 
the, the reason that they dropped out. Like you don't have to have a centralized place for this anymore. So they have like their own separate thing, which they're, they're doing the awards obviously, but yeah. with all of the, all of the previews and this and that, it, it, like you said, it, it, it accomplishes the same thing that E3 was doing. So it's really like, they really don't have a, like, I hate to say it this way. They really don't have a place anymore. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the one thing I've always heard that like wouldn't maybe filter to us is that E3 is a good time for developers to, you know, get together and like, you know, make deals and figure stuff out. But I think now post pandemic with so many more people working remote too, that that can just be done remotely as well in a lot of cases. So it's, it just continues to be less and less necessary. Yep. Did you guys historically watch E3 a lot, or did you just kind of read the highlights or watch like a YouTube person explain any of the interesting parts? A while, but like in like the early two thousands and stuff like that. Yeah, I used to. Too. Yeah, I used to really like watching whatever kind of coverage I could find on E3. Not so much lately. Um, it's more, and I don't know if that's if that's because there's just more information to to you know ingest in general but more or less nowadays it was just like let me just catch up and find an article that kind of highlights the you know gives me like a bullet point of like the main things that happened yeah that was exactly my thought as well okay what, what about you steve uh i i watch most of them and i still do but even as i watch them i i think that there's less to learn a lot of times maybe it's just that i'm older and i've like seen more announcements so the hype can't get like as deeply rooted in me but i i definitely still watch them when i can but a lot of times in the last couple of years i'll miss one here or there and i'll just have to read a catch-up article but i do i do like the idea of e3 i like there being sort of like this concentrated time where you can like look forward to some exciting announcements and maybe hear about something cool that you never heard about before so I watch it and I, I want that to continue to exist. It just kind of, it's a little, it's more spread out than it once was. Right. Okay. Well, the other thing was uh, Nintendo, was the Nintendo Direct that happened, I guess, a week or so ago, maybe two. Um, some kind of, I'm not, so I'm not going to go over everything, but just, just the stuff that's kind of relevant to classic gaming stuff. Um, we've got Metroid Prime Remastered. Uh, yeah, that looks awesome. I haven't, I haven't checked it out yet, but uh, it looks like a really nice remaster. It does. It looks like it, and it, and and they have changed the controls, so it is a proper, you huh. know, like it's not the weird thing where you have to stop to aim and that kind of stuff. It's a, it's like an actual first-person shooter control scheme now. Um, yep. Legend of Z- uh, Legend, of, I guess not technically classic related, but just because it goes so far back, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom is coming May twelfth. Very excited for that. Along yep. along those same lines, Pikmin Four is coming out July twenty first. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited about that too. Actually, I hope it's good. I you know I haven't played a Pikmin since the first, but every time a new Pikmin gets announced, I'm always like, good for Pikmin. Keep mm-hmm. keep yeah. it up. Yeah, that's pr- that's pretty much my reaction. Like I like the first one, and I and I just haven't really felt like playing any others but the first one was good and yeah every time yeah. i see another one i kind of have the same reaction um and then also maybe the the most notable for us is that game boy and game boy advance games have been added to switch online so you have to pay for the extra subscription correct you do for the game boy advanced stuff yeah 
But the Game Boy is just the Game Boy ones are just on the basic uh, Switch Online. So you know you have to pay to have Switch Online. Period. But then there's like the extra that if you pay extra for, then you also get the it was Sega Genesis and Nintendo 64. And they also yes, yeah, N64 as well, yeah. Uh huh. And now Game Boy Advance on that one. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of like the doubles. I like I I like it's like my subscription. I'll be honest with you to my Switch. Like, I have to have it right because you generally need to have a subscription going, and it's like it's not that valuable. Like my base subscription, so it's it's kind of frustrating to me that you have to pay an additional subscription to play the n64 because i would play the n64 one if i didn't have to pay the extra sub for it and then on top of that they don't even have like every game in the n64 library it's just a set number right now i i feel like that whole deal is just not not great and maybe i'm just being super frugal but no i think i think that's how a lot of people feel about it that's frustrating the, the impression that I for me it's i'm just gonna go emulate the second i get to, I, I hit a paywall like that i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna go emulate it and go play it and do my thing if it was on switch i would definitely do it but yeah, no, I think a lot of people do feel the same way. It's like, yeah, it's cool. It's just a little bit too much. You know, I'm already paying for Switch Online and, you know, maybe get some use or marginal use. But for the extra, it's just, you know, I just, it's, it's like, I'm the same way. I don't have the, I think it's called the uh, expansion or something like that. I don't yeah. pay for the extra stuff either yeah. just because it's like, it's not really, yes, it's cool. That, yes, I'm glad they're doing it. That it's some cool stuff. But I just, I, don't, I just don't know about paying even more you know, for the online subscription. Yeah. When the base one isn't even that great. Like, yeah. Uh, so obviously, uh, on the base one, they have Nintendo games and super Nintendo games. So the game boy is now on top of that. And then again, for the expansion, the game boy advance, they have games, uh, added to the N64 and Sega Genesis, which they had, uh, some, which, which they do have some games for as well. So the game, so at launch of this, which, which this is available. Now the game boy games that are available, uh, are Tetris, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, Le- Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX. Uh, so, some of these are, so, yeah, some of these are Game Boy Color also. Um, Gargoyles Quest, another awesome one. Yeah. Game & Watch Gallery 3. Actually, low-key, a pretty awesome game. Very simple, <laughs> but I played that a ton growing up. I have not played it, but I really... I really want. To, I've been playing a little bit of Gargoyles Quest, and I haven't played this yet, but I really do want to play it. It looks it looks pretty solid. Yeah, it's good. Uh, another one that I this one I was not familiar, I was not even aware of, but it but it looks pretty intriguing too. Uh, Alone in the Dark: The New Nightmare. Yeah, that, it it it's a survival horror game similar to the PS One like Resident Evils, where it's got like uh you know static backgrounds that your character moves around and through it seems neat it also felt like the most random of the games that were announced on it the does list. everything everything was like you know nintendo first party or like gargoyle's quest where you're like yeah i get that and then right. just this random alone in the dark game boy color game <laughs> it really is super random but like i saw that was like yes my first reaction was like that's super random and then like when i saw a little bit of the gameplay footage i was like i really want to give this a shot it looks interesting yeah uh, Metroid 2 Return of Samus Wario Land 3 Really? There, I didn't see the Wario Land. Wario Land I really enjoyed the Wario Land series Yep, and Kirby's Dream Land Every time I go back to play the Kirby's games now I'm just always disappointed I don't know what it is I kind of am like, I used to really enjoy them Yeah, same here I, I used to I remember I, Specifically this one Kirby's Dream Land I used to play the shit out of on Game Boy But yeah Right now I'm just kind of like huh, You know that's, that's, Yeah that's, that's neat 
the Game Boy Advance games that they have currently are uh, uh, so they have the Super Mario Brothers three uh, port, like Game Boy Advance port, um, WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games, Mario awesome. Kart Super Circuit, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. And yeah, it's very good. And Legend of Zelda, the Minish is it Minish or Minish? I think it's Minish Cap. I think it's Minishing Cap, yeah. Minish, yeah. That's how I've heard it said at least. Yeah, I think it's a Minish Cap. So those are uh I mean that's pretty cool overall, even you know, even like for a lot of us who aren't necessarily interested in the in you know, paying extra for the expansion stuff, if you have the basic, you at least still get the the Game Boy library that they've added on there. So that's 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 pretty cool. That was I've I've been playing like I said, I've been playing some Gargoyles Quest. I want to try the game and watch gallery. I want to try alone in the dark. Uh, I think it's just, it's cool that there, you know, there's more that they could do. They could be doing better in some ways, but this is pretty cool still. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're already a subscriber to that, that's, you know, how many, how many dozens of hours of fun games to play if you haven't already played through any of them. So it's, yeah. And it's kind of a no brainer. Like, uh, Switch being a portable console, it's like you kind of always expected Game Boy stuff to show up, so I'm happy that it's here and, and that they picked good games. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the ones we've been playing. Um, Jay, you want to? Uh, why don't you start us off? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, so for this episode of the podcast, I played a game called Equinox. Um, Equinox is a Super Nintendo game that came out in 1993. Um, it is considered to be an isometric. I'm reading this verbatim, so don't don't come at me, bro, Robert. Uh, it's an isometric <laughs> arcade adventure puzzle game featuring elements of platforming and RPG. Uh, I, you, you like that? So I just um, gonna, that's what I, like. If I don't play a game next time, I'm just gonna pull up a Wikipedia article and read it. Yeah, <laughs> just for just read it verbatim and like like you can't challenge this. This is what it is. I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this game, like I said, this game came, came out in 1993, uh, and this game is uh, it, it. I was re- so one of the things I've been trying to do the last couple of episodes of the podcast is reading about more obscure games that I may not have heard of for some of the systems that I generally play, which is like Super Nintendo, PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, uh, and just try to find some more obscure games because all you know, always, 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 if you go online and read like what are people's favorite hundred games or you know a thousand games for X system you're going to know like 98% of those titles, right? Like right off the bat. Right. So yeah. uh, trying to find going after the, you're going after the hidden gems. Hopefully uh, this one was not a gem. How'd you this find out a, about it? Uh, you, you, you just look up like obscure super Nintendo games. I was about to ask. Yeah. yeah I, I do that occasionally. Like I'll just be like, oh, I really want to try something a little bit different. So I'll just like scroll through and I'll get like five or 10 different games and I'll run through them and see like, okay. which one can I actually stomach playing long enough to get like a full depiction? Cause there, there are a lot of games where people are like, this is like a really great game and I'll play it. And 30 seconds and I'm like, I can't do this. Either the controls are too brutal or it's one of those games where you have to die repeatedly in order to get accustomed to it or just something of, of that nature. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so this game is, it, it uh, doesn't really give you anything to go off at the beginning. You just get dropped into the game, which was surprising. I haven't seen that in, in a long time. I know that was a thing, obviously, back in the day, but I haven't seen a game like that in a while where you basically just, you start your file and there you are. You're in the open world. And it doesn't give you any objective. It doesn't tell you anything you need to do. So you're in this like open world o- overview map, right? And there are icons on the map and you can just kind of walk around. So the first thing I did is there was a well nearby, so I walked to a well, 
and the well has a, a bird that comes out of it. And I was like, okay, cool. The bird uh, comes at you and then it transitions to an actual level. And this is kind of how the game works is each of the different icons in the map, when you go to them, it'll take you to a separate map that is uh, completely different graphic style. Obviously, it's not an overview map. And the graphics are surprisingly really good. Uh, I, I think so. I, I like. I think the, the coloration like the color choices that they use uh, work really well together. It holds up visually, like it's very easy to digest what is going on uh, when you actually get into the actual levels. I was very surprised. I figured it was one of those late Super Nintendo type games, which 93 would not be late for the Super Nintendo, I wouldn't think, right? It'd have to be like 90, 95, 96. When it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 93, is, that was when it came out, right? In the, or at least in the US, I, I think, wasn't it? Oh, was it? I think in 91. Oh, 91. Maybe. Okay. So, but it would have been early life because, yeah, the yeah, N64 91. didn't come out till 96. So, yeah. So I was surprised by the graphics because usually when you see games uh, that have really good graphics or really good graphics for that system, usually they're late, late stage games. And it's like, okay, that makes that makes more sense. Yeah. But anyway, so when you actually get to the level, uh, the, the level I was talking about with the bird at the well, the bird, you just get into a fight and it's, I guess, a map. It's like you get into level and the bird just die bombs you and it hits you and you die. And this okay. is, you know, 60 seconds into the game. Uh, <laughs> and the way your life bar works is you have uh, a life meter and you have a magic meter. And the life meter, <laughs> brace yourselves, you have two lives at the, well, excuse me, you have two life pellets at the beginning. So you have two individual pellets that are red that represent your life. When you die or when you get hit and you die, because you only have one HP, you lose half of one, and then you you can choose to continue at that level or back out of that level. So you have two lives per pellet of health you have on your life bar. If your life bar depletes, then you can continuously continue, but you lose any progress you made, obviously, because it's kind of like a continue state, if you will, where if you don't have any life pellets, then you lose all the progress. And, and wait, basically, wait, wait, if you get... What do you, mean, what what do you lose and what do you... Not in in the levels, so some of the other levels, you'll actually collect items or there's certain things you actually are doing to progress in the game. And from what I gathered, if you have life tokens to sacrifice when you die, you keep that progress and then you can go back into the level and continue your progress. However, mm -hmm. if you have no life pellets and you die, you're basically using a endless quote, I'm doing air quotes, continue feature. And you can continuously redo the level, but you don't keep any progress that you would have gained on your last life. If that makes any sense of sense. More which I know it makes enough sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that's that's the reason I'm describing it that way is because again, the game does not explain any of this to you. This is just me picking it up from playing it so far. Um so I left the bird well level. And what I realized is in the overview map, there's a ton of these wells. So I think these things are supposed to be like, hey, if you get near them, the bird comes out, you're supposed to avoid it, type deal. And you can attack it, but the controls are not great. Um the so you, you can obviously move the four primary directions, right? But the challenge is the spaces you are on, hitting the move command in a certain direction doesn't move you far enough to... It, it's kind of explained, <laughs> but like, you're not moving far enough to where you... That you're far enough away to where you're not going to hit by things. The visual is not great. The hitbox of the monsters is larger than you expect. Okay. And when mm. you're moving... It, it's one of those games where it's kind of sticky and you don't move all the way at times. So you'll be moving and then you'll stop moving for some reason and you'll get hit by things you should not be hit by. The controls are okay. very not great. The, the, at least the movement control. Actually, the jump controls aren't great either. Um, but the actual movement piece of it, 
the reason I bring that up is it's very hard to avoid things when things are attacking you. Um, and in the first couple levels, mobs generally don't. So when you actually go to the first real level, which is uh, on the map, I think it was an icon of like a giant vase or like a pot. I think it's supposed to be like a building. But you drop down. So and this is the. So I I skipped the bird thing. I just went away from that and I went to one of these like pottery looking things that I think is supposed to be a building of some kind. So you jump down into this space and again it doesn't tell you anything, and then you basically just start exploring. And in one of the early rooms, you get Are you in you like a dungeon or something. Technically, yes, okay. I, I guess because you're dropping down and then you're going room by room by room. Um, What's your goal? Like, what are you trying to do? Do Or I guess you don't even. Okay. okay, I don't. That's what I'm trying to. I I know what it is, but I'm going to explain it to you as the way that I learned it. Because there was no objective initially. Okay. Right. (laughs) So you get down in the well or whatever it is. Sorry. Not the well. You get down into the building. We'll call it the dungeon. You get down to the dungeon and I go to the first room and I get my first weapon. Okay, cool. So I have my weapon. What was the weapon? It was a sword, I think, or like a, a, a dagger or sword type thing. It, it just looked like some set of blade. But it's not a melee weapon. It's it's a ranged weapon. Think of like when you have full hearts in uh, Zelda NES, when you can like throw your sword. It's like that. Okay. And um, you can spam it very quickly. But only, from what I gathered, only one can be in the air at a time. So the first one has to hit or dissipate. And they only go so, so far. Okay. So if your mob's running at you, you can throw a bunch very quickly, right? Because the second that one lands, you can send another one in the air. Mm-hmm. But if you're chasing a mob, you can't throw them as quickly because every time you throw it, it's going to take longer for it to actually arrive at its destination or to dissipate based off the distance from your character. Okay. So, uh, and that's where you get your first idea of a fight, which these mobs don't attack you. They just kind of go in a pattern. So... Um, you can basically like figure out their pattern and then hit them when they're in your line of sight and then you can kill them. They don't drop anything. You generally don't get anything for killing mobs. There are certain rooms that require you to clear all the mobs in order to progress. Uh, but generally speaking, the mobs, you can just avoid them for the most part. As you progress through the dungeons, um, you will fight different types of mobs. You'll start to fight more aggressive mobs. What kind, like what kind of mobs are there? It, it was like a floating ghost the, the first mobs that I fought was like a floating ghost. Um, the first boss is a giant flaming skull. Um, i trying to think what else there really was. Oh, one of the biggest monsters is uh, Stationary Spikes. Really scary mob because, uh, <laughs> as I was kind of alluding to before, the jumping is not great. So uh, okay. you can... So it's weird. You can either do a power jump, but you can only do it while you're stationary, so you go vertical. But you can't move while you're doing it. So if you're trying to get up to a higher elevation... <laughs> So you can't like and jump you can't forward. move, right? You can't move forward. So yeah, you can uh, pass the elevation that you need, but if you can't move, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but you can do a running jump, but your jump is much weaker. So and that will move you forward. Yeah. Okay. Kind of. So, but you, so you can go up high or forward far, but not both. And I, I would not say far. Okay. <laughs> but you can go forward somewhat, uh, and with a little bit of vertical vertical leap to it. Okay. Yeah, it's. And and I'm being very, like, ridiculous, because that's how it was. Like, when when you had sections where you actually had to leap over something, it had to be almost pixel perfect, because the the angle of the camera in certain jump situations, you couldn't tell where the edge of the platform you were on was on. So trying to get to, like, the very edge of it to then get a little bit of a running start so you can make the jump, it was critical, because otherwise you would then just fall. And if you fall, more than likely, it's a, you know, it's a platformer. So the spikes, the spikes one-shot you. So then you obviously lose one of your lives. So, uh, and, and one of the weird parts is, 
when I was exploring, there are a lot of areas where you can't even, like if you're on a higher platform, you can't just jump off of it. There's like invisible walls in certain areas. And I didn't understand why, because there wasn't any like secret areas you could get to, or it would like botch the puzzle. It was just more from like a quality of life. Like, hey, I'm going back to this room. I'm just going to jump off the edge and go out the door I came in from. No, you had to walk back all the way down the way you came, which was just kind of a very weird choice. Like they actually put a, a invisible wall in place, which I would assume... <laughs> would take extra work from their part. I guess, yeah. So as you're progressing through some of the rooms, you start, you collect your first objective, which is to collect these 12 uh, spheres. I think they're called like Thieves spheres or something like that. And it tells you one of 12 spheres. Oh, okay. So my objective is to capture these 12 spheres. Cool. So in the first dungeon, you're walking around, walking around, you're doing your thing, you know, you're clearing these different rooms, you have these like minor puzzles, you're killing things and you get to number seven and you're like, okay, where are the other five? Well, that's a dead end. That has spikes. I can't go there. And that one is blocked. So I can't progress in this dungeon. So what do I do? So I spent 30, 40 minutes scouring this dungeon. Couldn't find anything to do. So I was like, okay, I'll just, can I leave this dungeon? It doesn't tell you you can leave the dungeon. Can I leave the dungeon? Well, let me go back to the area I came in from. And sure enough, if you jump to the highest part of where you came from, a rope falls from the ceiling. Again, no indicator this is going to happen. Okay. So I climb out. And I'm back in the open world again. So I'm like, okay, are there more dungeons on the map? Sure enough, yeah, there's many dungeons on the map. And so the idea is you clear part of a dungeon, then you go to another dungeon to finish up your... And by the way, the spheres carry over. So you kill, you clear seven from one and five from another, and now you have 12. Oh, cool. So now you have the objective done. Well, yeah, you have one objective done, but you just repeat that same objective over and over and over and over and over again. That's the entire mm. game. And every time you collect a certain amount and you get progress in the game, then you fight a boss. The boss the boss that I fought, the skull boss, was it was just hey, you, it, you buzzed out for a second. What about the oh, boss? It was really boring. Uh oh. the, the boss itself, it would <laughs> appear, you would fire stuff at it, uh, it would do something to attack you, you would avoid it, and you would just rinse and repeat. And the bo the boss fight that I did was really long. Like it got to a point where I was like, okay, this is and, and of course I died to it a bunch of times because I would either get hit by the boss when I thought I was out of position for it, or I'd be moving and then all of a sudden my character would stop moving, something in between. And so I got hit and I would die, and then I did it I did a bunch of times until I got through. It wasn't that bad. Um so it, it difficulty-wise, it was just kind of annoying to say the least. The oh, and then so the RPG elements. So you get different weapons throughout the game, which really don't do anything unique. They just do damage, different like amounts of damage. So a sword mm -hmm. to a mace to whatever. They it's the same thing where you're just throwing it. It does damage, and you're cool with it. Uh, the other the one that actually has some interesting aspects to it is the magic. And by the way, every time you collect, I believe it's every time you collect the twelve spheres, you quote unquote level. So you get another life pellet and another magic pellet. I think that's that's what happened. Um, but uh, the magic allows you to cast spells. And so some of the spells, as an example, there was a heal that I got. Uh, there was one that was really actually kind of cool, which was slow. And when you cast it, it slows everything in the room. And it does it for like five or 10 seconds. So for those five or 10 seconds, your normal speed, they're slowed. And so if it's a really difficult move, or really difficult move, room, excuse me, you can just you know beat up the mobs really quickly and get them down and, and you're good to go. Uh, one of the mobs, by the way, which was brutal, 
is if you remember, and oddly enough, I'm gonna reference back to Zelda NES again. You know the the little guys with the shields, the red and blue ones that walk in a certain direction for a while yeah, and yeah. they change direction. You can't hit them from the front. It's those fuckers, and and they <laughs> uh, they move very quickly. And the the level two, quote unquote, let's say the the blue version, if you will, from Super Nintendo or from regular Nintendo of Zelda, they had so much health. Like it took like twenty or thirty hits to kill them. So I had to figure out their pattern, and then I'd wait, go behind them, hit, 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 hit. Oh, move, get out of the way, wait, jump down, wait. Wait, wait, okay, jump behind them, hit, 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 hit. And I had to do that. And in one of the rooms, I wanted to strangle this game because I was looking <laughs> for a spear for a while. And I was like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Couldn't find it. And I was like, I'll just start killing everything. And so I went to kill one of those, the the second level of it. And it took me like five minutes to kill this thing. And I kill it. And sure enough, he had it in him. But again, no <laughs> indication that this guy had it. He just happened to be the guy that I needed to kill for the sphere in this dungeon. So. Wow. Um. Yeah, overall, very repetitive. Not a real creative game. Uh, apparently, there's a story to it. Apparently, you're trying to rescue your father. I didn't get any sense of that. I, I watched some reviews and some people talking about it and stuff. Just like, am I missing something? But apparently, there is a light story to it that your whole goal is to save your father, I guess. Uh, okay. The music was kind of non-existent. There wasn't a ton of music, but the music that was there was actually pretty good. And the ambient noise, oddly enough, was really good. And I, I don't know huh. why. It was very subtle. And really it's... Yeah, it surprisingly set a pretty good tone for the dungeons. Like the ambient noise, again, it was very subtle and it wasn't consistent. So it would happen periodically. And whenever it would it would register, my brain would pick it up and it would actually be kind of immersive. Now, again, this is a, you know, 1993 Super Nintendo game. So take that with a grain of salt. But for this type of game, the ambient noise was surprisingly really appealing. And it actually helped add another level of like, quality to this game overall it was for me it was actually the most redeeming quality about this game. i was just about to say this sounds hmm. like the best thing about the game so yeah. far <laughs> seriously it, it was for me so um this game's only single player there's no multiplayer what i gathered from it and apparently this was a sequel to a game called uh Sol uh solstice which i have never heard of before as well solstice. which was i think it was a uh regular nintendo game check real quick yeah it came out in 1990 it was a, a regular nintendo game yeah, Solstice I have played before. I I liked Solstice, but I have not played it in 15 years, so I couldn't tell you much about why other than that I just kind of have some warm fuzzies from Solstice. Yeah. I'm pulling up some That's cool. screenshots. It look Solstice looks pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it's like an isometric uh, Equinox is the same thing. I'm looking at screenshots of that. Isometric kind of like action RPG platformer. In Solstice it's all one big continuous dungeon, which sounds different from Equinox. Yeah, this is like many, many different dungeons. Uh, I just had a picture. That, that's what the sorry, the start of the small image, but that's what the graphics look like. I just posted in our call chat. Like, I feel like that that aged well. Like, I think that looks the, especially great. The yeah. and like you said that, about the colors, like the colors, yeah. are fantastic. Yeah, I was very surprised by. It. I, I was really excited going into this game. I, I was expecting because I was like, oh, maybe this is like a, a Zelda adjacent, if you will, in some way, shape, or form. But no, yeah. it just wasn't there. Dude, I'm loving this box art for Solstice. <laughs> He's yeah, got it's, this, it's incredible. It's a, this completely ripped, like, 80-year-old dude. Just hold, just like... Like a wizard? Like in a, like in a bring-it-on pose. He's got a potion in one hand and, a and like, a staff in the other. <laughs> And you notice as well, he's his pants are not long enough to reach his boots, and he's just got some <laughs> some skin gap going on. I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> strong did, energy. Did you find Equinox to be particularly tough? Because I'm also looking at what I guess was like a magazine print ad for it, and the ad is showing someone like throughout their entire life, like as a child, teenager, graduating, 
And at under each image, it says like this person, you know, at this age, they could finally get to the third dungeon at this age, they could finally get to the fourth dungeon. And then the end of the ad is just a dead guy laying on the floor who has apparently <laughs> only got to the sixth dungeon. That's so funny. No, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, if you spent a day playing this game, you could probably beat it. I think the game is about like eight or nine hours long. Um, okay. It's not necessarily difficult. The controls are really frustrating. It's one of those games where you would have to get really comfortable. You'd have, you have to be very patient. I think if you were very patient, this game would generally be easy. The boss fights, you ha you definitely have to be aggressive because when you hit the bosses, it does interrupt them a little bit, if you will. Oh. But I don't think this game's particularly difficult. I think it's just very frustrating. Okay. Yeah. Imagine somebody using that to promote their game now. Like I know. you'll die before you ever finish this game. Well, Elden Ring should have done that if anybody. That would be an accurate <laughs> And people would be like, oh my God, I'm so turned on right now. That's a good point, actually. So so it sounds like you didn't really care. Like it had some maybe no. some good stuff, but you didn't really care for it overall. I, I would not I would not encourage if you're gonna if you're looking for an old game to play, this is not one of them. This is this, not, this one, is not okay. one that holds up to me. So Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's Equinox. I don't think I had heard of that before. I hadn't either. Actually, that was one of the reasons why it intrigued me because, you know, people were kind of raving about it. I was like, I have not heard of this game before. It's, but I it's, can understand why. It's one of those games where I've, I had heard the name and my brain was just like, oh, that's probably just an RPG. Like one of the yeah, lesser known so, RPGs, right? like a Paladin's Quest or something. And so I was like, oh, you know, someday I'll look into it if I want to, to play a JRPG. But I had no idea that it was, uh, yeah, like isometric dungeon crawler action rpg and like the, that, that he surprised me as well the also, cover, God, the, i was just gonna say also the cover art of the game is kind of generic and it also makes it seem rpg-ish it's just like yeah got a just got like water and some trees coming out of the water like <laughs> kind of weird uh, actually okay so is jay is that all or do you have any other games for this nope this time? that is all I have. all right sweet um steve why don't why don't you go next Sure. So, what have, what have you been playing? And is it Gamera Two Thousand? I was gonna mention it. You know, we'll start with Gamera Two Thousand. Oh, okay, cool. Let's do it. I'd be remiss not to at least share it with all of your listeners for folks that uh, have not have not played it. But yeah, Gamera Two Thousand is it was awesome. It's uh, for anyone that's not familiar with it. I don't know. Have you guys talked about it on the podcast before? No. When you were streaming it the other day, that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Okay. Uh, so it's an import only PS1 game. It never left Japan as far as I know. And the like elevator pitch for it is that it's basically like Gamera, uh, Godzilla Gamera, uh, but Panzer Dragoon or maybe Star Fox, depending on how you look at it. So uh, there's like six or seven different levels and you play as this, I don't even really know the story of like what you're doing other than just trying to fight a bunch of big bads. But you play as this pilot, and then flying around you in the cockpit of your ship is Gamera, which is like the turtle from Godzilla Mythos. I'm not actually a, a Godzilla guy, so I don't know too much about it. Well, Gamera. okay, so I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think Gamera is actually part of the Godzilla universe. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I don't think they've ever, there's ever been like a Gamera versus Godzilla, unless there's maybe like, I really, I'm, a, I'm not a huge Godzilla fan, but I'm a i'm a i would say a big godzilla fan okay. and of all the godzilla monsters i don't believe gamera ever makes it into his universe okay i i would have just assumed I, i'll say 
Gamera has the vibe of a Godzilla monster for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Gamera flies around you, and then uh, you can like fire kind of a rapid laser at enemies, and or you can hold down a button. You can lock on to target a bunch of them at once. And when you release the button, Gamera next to you will fire like a bunch of different laser shots that'll shoot out and hit a bunch of different enemies. And then it's it's very kind of straightforward rail shooter sections. And when you can like turn the camera as you go to, so the camera's on kind of like a quarter click, you can look 90 degrees either side, left or right, or you can look behind you. And then you get to the end and you fight like some big, huge, cool looking boss and you wrap it up and you do it all over again. But I, I had heard of this game from a buddy of mine who is a big Godzilla fan. He was like, yeah, man, you got to check out Gamera 2000. I think you would like it. And I was like, okay, okay. But I kind of thought it would be like a fine enough game. But if you're a big Godzilla or a big Gamera fan, like of that style, um, that then you'd be really into it. But when I played it, I was like, holy crap, this is incredible. It's like so action-packed. There's so much going on at one time. There's stuff firing off all over the place. It's a gorgeous game. Yeah, it is, you know, to to pull the term back out. I would definitely call it a hidden gem, at least of the PS1 import library. Oh, yeah, yeah. It seemed like it for it seemed like surprisingly fun watching you watching you play. And and it also has this yeah. kind of Tell me if you agree, like, in my opinion, it kind of like a, one of those kind of, you, you can't really appreciate it until you actually see it kind of qualities yeah. because it's something about Gamera flying around alongside you, he just <laughs> looks so goofy. He's just like, he's just this little helper that's there like flying around and then he sometimes just helps you shoot down bad guys and stuff. It's like really kind of almost comical. Uh, yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a couple times too where he would like kind of fly into my peripheral vision, and for a second I'd be like, "Oh, yo!" I, I would <laughs> oh, think that he was camera. an enemy. <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, don't mind. Camera, carry on, carry on. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 it's charming is is what I would call it. And every now and again, Gamera gets down in the water or something, and will turn into. I, I don't know if it's like a shape shifting thing or what, but it seems like he turns into like a more Godzilla adjacent form that is stationary during some of the boss fights and that's pretty cool too so yeah just really cool game very fun yeah it looked awesome yeah so check that out you know any way you can play it i would definitely recommend camera 2000 to people um and then other than that uh we so over on polykill in february uh every year during february my co-host trav he does a time travel to a particular year and he only engages with media from that year so he'll only watch movies listen to music and play games that came out in that particular year and it's usually a year in the 90s uh in fact it's always been a year in the 90s and then everyone else sort of in the discord and the community will also uh hop in and play stuff or watch stuff from that era and i do it too i don't exclusively only like go full on like he does and deny myself media from any other year. But I do try to uh, enjoy some games from that particular year when the time comes around. And this year, the year that was chosen is 1999, which is a great year, by the way. And uh, so I've been trying to poke at some 1999 games. Probably the biggest one that I've been really enjoying and has sort of caught me by surprise is the original Grandia on the PS1. Uh, I don't know. Have have either of you ever played any of the Grandia games in the, in that series? I have not made it to any of the Grandia games yet. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I'm just taking a look over to make sure. 
Yeah, I don't think so. No. Is it okay. similar to like Star Ocean? Very similar, yeah. They've got a, a pretty similar vibe. Uh, so Grandia, it's a, it is a turn-based RPG, but the big kind of highlight for Grandia is it has a lot more involved of a battle system than other turn-based RPGs at that time. Uh, when you, so it, there is a meter at the bottom of the screen, and rather than it being a meter that fills up, your characters have little portraits or like little names, and they'll travel along that meter. And when they hit like this point for action, that's when you get to choose your move. So you'll choose attack or you'll choose, you know, a magic spell or something like that. And then some of those will happen instantaneously. And some of those, there'll be like a charge up time where it fills into uh, a second meter. And then when that meter fills up, that second one fills up or that, that last bit of the meter is a better way of describing it. Then you'll do that magic spell or you'll do that special attack. Um, and then enemies follow that same system. You're all kind of operating on this same one meter that has like this wait time and then this charging up your action zone. But what's cool about Grandia is that both regular attacks and some special attacks can either knock your enemies back on that meter or in some cases, if you catch them during that charge time, you can actually cancel their move altogether. So you have oh, certain really? attacks... Yeah, a lot of times they're weaker than normal attacks, but you'll have certain attacks that if you can hit them with this sort of like critical slash while they're charging up like a fireball spell, uh, you have a decent chance that they'll just lose their turn and they'll have to completely restart and charge it again. Uh, and it it is one of those games where your characters are like positionally it's relevant. Moves have, even though it's turn-based, moves have like AoEs that will hit only enemies within a certain circle radius and... When you choose to do like a physical attack, your character will have to physically run to that enemy to do the attack. And so you're doing kind of like a lot of calculus in your head and like a lot of snap decision making where you're trying to be like, okay, well, that enemy is charging up like this big attack that I know is going to take my party down or it's going to take this one person down. And so if I have this one person who's kind of half of the battlefield away do the canceling attack on them, I think they'll reach them right before they can cast that spell and then I can cancel it and then I'll be safe and that'll give my other character time to heal them up or something like that. And so it's much more like involved and much more, it, like much it, yeah. less of just the sort of like tapping the attack button through every random battle yeah. and trying to like just get through it to the end. And then one of the other things I really like about the battle system is they... Uh, your magic spells level up based on how often you use them. So the more you use fire magic, the stronger fire magic spells you'll learn. So it avoids that trap that a lot of RPGs have where you just like basically never use any of your spells or special abilities until a boss fight comes around and during every normal enemy, you just always spam your normal attack because you want to be still considering like, you know, what what's this enemy weak to? You know, what magics can I use here? What might hit multiple enemies? Because you want to be like buffing up and using those magic spells so that you can learn additional new ones as you go. And then as certain, when multiple like branches of magic learn or advance far enough up, you'll learn like combination skills that use two different elements. Like if you have your fire and your wind magic up high enough, you might learn like a lightning spell or something like that. So it's it's pretty it's pretty involved and it's it's pretty cool. Uh and I asked if you guys had played any of the Grandia games because the the entire series with one exception, Grandia Extreme, but the the three main Grandia games all have that battle system and for a long time 
it's been my favorite battle system in any oh, turn-based really? RPG. Yeah, I I played Grandia 2 first, like, over a decade ago, and I loved it. And then, for some reason or another, I just kept kicking Grandia 1 down the road, even though it's extremely my thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And then, like, you know, one time, I several years ago, I played, like, an hour and a half, and I was like, that was good. And then I got distracted and played something else. But now, I've, like, finally sat down and been pumping some hours into it and it's just yeah super super good and it's kind of everything i wanted it to be which is super nice hell yeah that's awesome yeah i'd highly recommend folks check that out it also has a great like it has a real cheesy i would say era appropriate very like 90s anime vibe the voice acting is like very rough but in the way that like a like a like a good bad dub is rough. It's it's endearing rather than distracting. Nice. You're, you're not upset by it at all. So yeah, it's in terms of the like PS1 era RPGs, which is some of the most nostalgic era for me. Sure, I would say that it lives right up there with you know the some some of the greats. It lives up there with your Final Fantasies and Chrono Cross and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I I want to. I've been wanting to get around to this series for a while. I just haven't yet. Yeah, it. I I would definitely recommend it. You can start with any of them, I think. But um, yeah, the first one's good. And the first one, I'm playing it on the HD remaster that uh, that came out on the Switch not too long ago. And it's a it's a pretty solid HD remaster. So it's pretty accessible if you don't have the original game or you know don't want to emulate it or something like that. Gotcha. All right, awesome. So, Gamera 2000 and Grandia. Is that it for you this time, Steve, or you got anything else? Uh, that's it for me in terms of the the retro stuff. I mean, I got my okay. PlayStation VR 2, but that's for a different podcast. Well, <laughs> I, 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 all right, I do want to hear... Let's talk about it at the end. I want to hear a little bit about that. Okay. Um, Jay, before we move on, I have to ask you, sure. why, why did you change your Discord picture to a dude wearing a beater? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was a a banger of a story. It's kind of a a deep fried meme, if you will. Have you met Corey before in Discord? Uh, I may, I'm not sure. I may have. Okay, well, Corey's a friend of ours. I've talked to him once or twice, but but not. So so I'm going to tell the podcast something that's happening. And this is something that, well, it's unfortunate you're not coming to the cabin this year. But uh, so Corey is one of our long term friends. My younger brother met him in college, and he's always been a part of our group. And he's kind of a. He's a very like uh, quiet guy. He's kind of a quieter guy, but he, he's really cool. He's very smart. And uh, my brother found out that when he was younger, he would wear tank tops a lot and in like out and about <laughs> and do his thing. And so Harry found Harry's my younger brother. He found photos of mine on Facebook wearing a tank top. Well, Corey's come to the cabin with us for years now, and we do we do an annual cabin trip. And Corey's not coming this year, so Harry and I are looking to buy a cardboard cutout of Corey wearing a tank top to bring to the cabin <laughs> as a joke. And uh, when we found the photo, I immediately turned it into my profile photo. And here's the best part: so that's the, no for the people who are listening who can't see it. My picture does not have a head in it. It's just the <laughs> upper torso and like you know mid torso. So it's just the tank top and you know a little bit of skin. Yeah. Corey messages me yesterday. He says, hey, I love your photo. And I said, hey, do you know where I got it? I said, I learned from the best. And then I said, do you know where I got it from? He's like, of course, I know. I recognize that photo. I'm like, your head's not even in it. But he still recognized the fact that that's his tank top. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no like identifying elements in this picture. <laughs> it's not like you can notice. It's not like he notices a tattoo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a good deep fried meme. But uh <laughs> 
if, if we if we end up pulling it off, I'll send you a photo, Robert. Awesome. Well, my my curiosity has been satisfied, so thank you. Of course. All right. I've got uh, I've got three games that I want to talk about, so let's let's get through these. Um, first off, let's go with Quackshot starring Donald Duck. This is a uh, Sega Genesis game. You you may know. You play. It's a it's a it's a platformer. You play as Donald Duck. Uh, you Donald Duck has just found like a treasure map in Uncle Scrooge's library, and he decides to go looking for it um, to give to Daisy. Ba- or like the giving to Daisy part seems kind of like a. A way to, for him to save his ass, because like as he's leaving, Daisy's like, "We were supposed to go to dinner tonight," and so Donald says, "Like, oh, oh, uh, yeah, I gotta go do this, but I'll bring you back something nice." So that's like his way of of getting out of dinner and going on this treasure hunt. Uh, it's a platformer where you have a uh, you have a gun that shoots um, plungers, and so you when you shoot somebody with a plunger, it basically it doesn't kill them, but it just stuns them. And they like kind of they kind of like stand in place and shake for I don't know like six seven eight nine ten seconds something like that and you can just like walk past them without getting hit uh, and then they go back to their normal routine after that. You're kind of a like an Indiana Jones style Donald Donald Duck. You're like you're wearing you know like I said you're on a treasure hunt. You're wearing like archaeologist or you're kind of like stereotypical archaeologist type clothes and. One of the kind of neat things about this is it's not just a linear game. There is a, I mean, it is fairly linear, but there's a, there's a lot of going back and forth um, and like getting keys from this place then, then then calling the airplane to come get you and going back to another, like another place that you, that you've been to and using the key in this, this or that door. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like a Metroid style game because it's very limited in this aspect and you're not for the most part, you're not really getting new abilities or anything like that. It's just like, it's pretty much just keys or, or key like items that you're getting that will allow you to, to, you know, get past this or that, that was keeping you from progressing farther in the, uh, in the level. Um, there are, there's, there, there's not a wide variety of bad guys, but there is a little bit of a variety. Most of, most of them are, are like just Pete. It's just like clones of Pete more or less. Um, (laughs) There are some ghosts. There's some snakes on some of the levels. There's some. There's one Viking. There's like a Viking ship level where there's a bunch of Vikings. Of course, there's bosses on on pretty much much all I want to say of the levels. Um, some of them, a lot of them are pretty easy. Some of them do get tough. Um, but you do have unlimited continues. So you have so you get three lives, and. If you lose all your lives, then you can continue, but the, like you just don't get to like you just have to start over at the beginning of the level as opposed to starting as opposed to starting at like a checkpoint or something like that. So it's it's fairly forgiving. Like for me, I so I did beat the game, but like I had to leave it paused overnight once or twice. So as long as you're as long as you can do that, um, it's there's you know it's it's really fairly forgiving. As long as you just, you know, don't have a power outage or you have enough time to just sit through it in one in one playthrough, you're good. You should be good to go. The last the last level was pretty tricky, but it's like one, it's one of those where once you kind of get the hang of it and and learn the ins and outs, then you can get through it pretty well to where you can get to the end and not only have one life left to fight the final boss or, you know, or, or, or just be in like a really bad situation in whatever other way. So it's it's. The difficulty I feel is is pretty good. It's challenging. It's not super easy. It's fairly challenging all the way through. 
And then the last level is pretty tough, but like final levels should be pretty tough. So I think this kind of gets it pretty, pretty much right. As far as the, the difficulty goes, um, it's kind of just a basic game overall, but like it does everything really well. Like all the, all the environments look pretty good. The, the controls are pretty solid. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to, to recommend this, but if somebody who said, Hey, this looks like something I might want to try. What do you think? I would say go for it because it's, it's just kind of well executed all around. Um, That's good to hear. Not too surprising. I think a lot of the Disney games from that era tend to be, you know, good to great. So I'm, I'm glad that this one's pretty fun. I feel like this one doesn't get talked about maybe as much as some of the Mickey mouse ones do. So it's cool. I've never actually really looked into this one. So now I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. um, I think you're right. It is kind of on par with like a lot of the other Disney games of this era. Uh, I love Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse. That one's great. Yeah. I've never played World of Illusion. I know it's, it's, I hear it's supposed to be even better. Um, but I just haven't played that one. So yeah, this one, I still think Castle of Illusion is better, but this one is, this one is, you know, up there pretty close. Um, there's almost, a, there is, there is one other mechanic where, there, there sometimes you get it's really weird how it's implemented but so the basic mechanic is um he uh, donald has a temper meter uh you know of course donald duck's trademark thing is he gets angry right so mm-hmm. there are sometimes for for like stunning bad guys they'll give you a like chili pepper and the temper meter fills up when you get chill i guess he like eats them and gets mad because they're hot or something like that is the idea and when you eat enough of these peppers then he gets really mad and he kind of goes like berserk mode slash invincible where he starts like kind of like scrambling and like running super fast and he can jump really high and nothing can hurt him. So you can just start like racing through level. doesn't matter. You know, if you, if you hit bad guys, they can't hurt you. You're going super fast. You can jump over anything. So you just get through a large part of the level very quickly. But what's weird is this, this mechanic is only, implemented in the game like three times and by that by that i mean there are about three points in the game where you can get these peppers and Hmm. like when you get them like i said it takes like five or six to fill up his meter but they're all condensed into five or six enemies all one right after the other it's like (laughs) it's like on this level and this level and this level they gave five enemies in a row the chili pepper <laughs> and then you get it and you can go invincible and that's that those are the only times you get to use it in the entire game weird it's very weird it's like they randomly remember that they had this every now and then and then just like <laughs> toss, <laughs> tossed in some chili pepper so you could use it and that's it um so yeah that was pretty strange but uh yeah i mean kind of like, like this is one of those ones where like i said it's just there's not really a whole lot to say about it it's just Pretty well done overall. So if you like Donald Duck, if you like Disney platformers of this era, it's it's worth a shot. That's good recommendation because um, one of the other things on Polykill that we're doing is an alphabet challenge, trying to beat one game from each letter of the alphabet. And Q is not oh. an easy letter to come by. So uh, Quackshot might be my answer. Q, you could do Qbert. Yeah. Uh, uh, kicks, right? Oh, yeah, Kicks. That, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, really not a lot. There's not a lot, but yeah, uh, Quack Shot. I'd say it's a solid one. One of the best Q games there is, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bold stance, but I like it. 
All right, on to my number two. I'm going to save my big one for last. Uh, number two, this is one that I had never heard of before. Uh, you know how GOG, like, obviously their 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 whole thing is is old games, or not their whole thing, but a big part of GOG is, is uh, old games. They, you know, every now and then they kind of like almost sort of shadow drop just like random, very old games that nobody knows about. But they're like, hey, we got this now that you can buy. Yeah. Well, they did that recently. One of the games that they that is now available on GOG is a 1989 DOS game called Fiendish Freddy's Big Top O Fun. What? <laughs> you you could be making this up, and I'd have no way of challenging. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what we need to do next. Ep- like some episode, just come, just all only made up games. <laughs> Fiendish Freddy's Big... Uh, so this this also evidently came out on, like, the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64 and, like, those kinds of things. Um, it's a... It's basically, like, a mini-game. Like, like, a game with multiple mini-games. It's, it's a... It, the whole idea is there's a circus. Uh, and you are controlling the... The people doing the various circus acts. So there's, like, a high dive, and you're controlling the high diver. There's a juggling act. There's a knife throwing one with like a person with like a girl on a wheel spinning around where you got to like pop the balloons. There's a trapeze act, a tightrope act and a human cannonball act. And it's pretty much just like it goes through them one after the other and you do your best and you just try to get a high score. That's that's pretty much it. Except the 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 one caveat is fiendish Freddy is like trying to mess you up. While you're doing all these, um, I like on the I forgot exactly what he does on all of them, but he he like on the tightrope he he like rolls up in this big giant cannon and tries to like shoot you off of the tightrope. <laughs> um, the trapeze, I think, what happens is if you so you're you know on the trapeze one, you're trying to time your your jumps from one to the next to, to like, you know, if you do it too soon or too late, you're going to miss the next one and just fall to your death pretty much. And it is very cartoonish. The whole thing is very cartoonish. So it's like when you fall on the trapeze, for instance, like it shows a top down view of you falling and it's like Looney Tunes style where like you hit the dirt and like a big puff of smoke comes up. Um, But on that one, for instance, he's flying around and trying, like if you take too long, waiting to to like to time it just right then he'll come and he's got these big scissors and he cuts your trapeze that you're hanging from so <laughs> yeah, yeah so he's really just trying to murder you more or less the, the whole time um but one of the one so the game is okay like it's neat it's creative you'll finish you'll you'll get through a playthrough of like all of the mini games in like probably about 30 minutes and then there's not really a whole lot of reason to come back to it. Um, but what it does have there, it's the art's really good. Um, the gameplay is fine. Like I could have seen this back in 19, what is this? Yeah. In 89, I could see myself like having a friend over back then when we were little and like us playing this for a little while, trying to beat each other's scores or something like that. Um, so definitely doesn't hold up great now besides like, like I said, besides the art style and, and, and like that kind of aspect of it. But so I launched the game and this is a DOS game. So it doesn't use, it doesn't, it doesn't use the mouse at all. And I'm picking, what was it? I think I was picking like, not the difficulty, but I think I was picking like what my character, what my character icon was going to be. 
and I'm pressing up and down to choose. And uh, I hit enter on the one that I want and it doesn't do anything. I'm like, huh, okay. And then I hit like the numpad enter. That doesn't do it. I'm like, well, maybe it's spacebar. Spacebar doesn't do it either. Try and like control. Nothing is working to confirm my selection. Like nothing is the confirmation key. So then I hit every single letter key on the keyboard. None of them do it. Okay. I'm like, oh, so, you know, some of these old games, they, they make liberal, they take, they make liberal sure. use of the, of the function keys. So I start hitting the function keys and, th- and those, those did something. I forgot what, but that, but that wasn't it either. It was the insert key. <laughs> That, that I was that, of all the keys, <laughs> right? Of all the keys, insert is the one that you're supposed to press to confirm your selection in menus. Oh, and not just that, but that's like the main key for like to do things in the game. Um, like the I'm trying to remember, like like knife throwing, for instance. You use the arrow keys to to line up the cursor where you think, and then you're trying to time it just right. Because the lady's spinning, you know, the, the thing is spinning with the balloons and then you hit an insert is what throws the button or what throws the knife. Um, so, yeah, that was just kind of like a random, very, very strange thing. Uh, there was. Um, there there are some like they there are a couple times where it's, it's not very, I guess. I'd say it's not very like modern day politically correct with the ways that they treat women in this game. It's like almost every girl in the game is like, you know, like giant boobs and like you have a chance of, I don't remember. There's something I want to say where like, if you do something right or wrong or something like fiendish for, Oh no, no there. I remember what it is. There's one where she's like loading up the cannon or something like that. And like bending over in front of the camera while she does that, like wearing a bikini. Of course it's all cartoonish. So it's, it's pretty innocent, but it's like a lot of stuff where it's like, I just don't know if that's really necessary for this game. It's like just a hundred percent purely gratuitous. Yeah. Um, uh, one the, so, but so the game overall is, is fairly mediocre. It's got some good ideas, some good creativity, some good art. Uh, gameplay is not, not fantastic, but not, not terrible either. Um, but what is terrible about this? So, so I'm somebody who loves, like old school chip tunes, like even like so even DOS chip tunes music in particular, I, I I love it. This game has the most unbearable soundtrack I have ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> like not exaggerating. Here is a so all right. Don't don't hit play on this yet. Tell me when you're ready, and I'm gonna play it too. Because I'm gonna play it on I'm gonna play it on my end as well so the podcast will pick it up i'm ready all right is, are you, is everybody ready yep. right, one two three click this is the whole oh, okay. entire game it doesn't stop it, nightmares right it's here. like <laughs> it assaults the census i know <laughs> It's like I never, right? I never knew music could be so legitimately painful. How <laughs> long is the cycle for this? Like six seconds? Like what is the? It like it changes up a little bit. Like if you really pay attention, but it all, but it sounds generally the same. Like the oh my time. gosh, oh um, man. 
evidently <laughs> evidently the the commodore 64 version like has better music um but for whatever reason when they were on the dos limitations they just did not handle the music very well like Again, there are plenty of DOS games that use the same style of music, and I think, it, and I really like have a fondness for it. But this is actually painful to listen to. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. It, it, I, it's only distracting. I can't imagine it helps <laughs> aid the game at all. It would make me much worse than all the mini games. <laughs> yeah, probably it probably does do that. I didn't even consider that, but I'm I'm sure you're right. So, uh, mm. so yeah. Definitely in, in many in many ways not really for a modern audience, but it you know, it has some redeemable qualities. Um but yeah, I couldn't really recommend it in any in pretty much any way. Alright, my last one is uh I I'm I've been on a Resident Evil kick lately, as as you probably remember, Jay. And yeah. uh the last one I've beat was Resident Evil 3. And coming up soon, I guess just in a couple weeks, we got the Resident Evil 4 remake coming out. So I wanted to play the original before that drops. So I played Resident Evil 4. Nice. This That's a will, great game. I, a, I hope you agree. I, so, I like it a lot. I don't know if I agree that it's a great game. Okay. I know wow. that's... I know, Shut the, down. The consensus... No <laughs> Savage. Brutal. Right no punches pulled. The, the consensus is certainly that this is a great game. I finished it, and I I really do like it a lot. But but then I was I was thinking about it, and I honestly think out of the first four, it's probably my least favorite. You know, I might agree with you, even though I like four a lot. I do something about the like tank controls early Resident Evil style is my preference for survival horror. And okay. I have a, more of a fondness for that. Just like the way those games play at a base level. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I appreciate the fact that they really did something different in this one. And yeah. I think it was time for them to do something different. But after it's all said and done, I'm kind of like. Yeah, it's great that they did that, but you know what? Actually, I kind of like the other ones a little bit better. <laughs> um, it's like we—it's like everybody got what we were asking for, and then we're like, you know what? Yeah, good. That was awesome, but I kind of like the other ones. Um, so, so this is—I guess the—I the, guess that's kind of like the first most important thing about this one is it's the first departure from. The, well, well, okay. Is it so? I'm not familiar with the Resident Evil spinoff games, like basically anyone that doesn't just have a number after after the title. I don't know much about those. Did did any of those come out before this one? Do you know, Steve or Jay? Yeah, Code Veronica, I think, Code came Veronica. out before this one, but that one plays like the other three. It does. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, more. I don't know if it's tank controls. It might be like free pretty roam, sure but it, it's not like over the shoulder third person shooter. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's tank controls. Yeah. That, okay. that was one for Dreamcast originally, right? Yeah. 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 That sounds right. Um, and then there, I, I don't remember when like Dead Aim and Survivor and those other offshoots came out, but those are obviously all like a different style of game. And type. Yeah, that's kind of a whole different thing. So, okay. So this is the first departure, or at least in the mainline numbered uh, you know, games of the series. It's the first major departure from the original Resident Evil formula, which is 
most notably uh, tank controls, like you said, cinematic angles, and a lot of like exploration in the sense of you got to go around, you're finding locked doors mm-hmm. and exploring more and finding, you know, keys or gems or rocks or plaques or any number of different things that you use to unlock the other doors, uh, doing some puzzles here and there to unlock, to, to get to places, that kind of stuff. This one, is, this one does away with a lot of that. Um, it is first off, it's an over the shoulder perspective. Um, it's much more, action-based and um so there's no tank controls it does have you do have to kind of stop it's got like stop and aim controls it's not a pure like first person shooter even even like obviously it's not first person anyways it's third person but even like aiming wise it's not you know one joystick walks and then the c and then the c controller which or the c joystick which was on the gamecube that one doesn't just aim you have to press R and then that, and then when you press, when you hold R, then the left joystick aims kind of more or less how we were talking about Metroid prime a little bit, uh, you yeah. kind of the same, same scheme. Um, there's also a lot of, uh, th- there's a lot less, there's like some minor puzzle solving and like key finding and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's still very linear. It's more like, Oh, you have two paths. One of them's got a locked door. Guess we got to take the other one and find the key at the end of this path and then come back. Like it's not, it's usually not much more involved or complex than that. Um, the, the, the premise of the game. So you are playing as uh, Leon in this one, Leon Kennedy, you are your mission. And he was, and he's from resident evil one. Your mission is to save the president's kidnapped daughter. And I think, are they in Spain? Is that where it is? I know it's a lot of Spanish stuff. Okay. So you're in like some remote area of Spain. Um, You start off in this village for a while. You're there for like the first few hours of the game. Then you end up in this, this like big ass castle that has indoor areas, outdoor, outdoor areas. It's just like a giant castle, almost like a castle town kind of thing. Um, Story's pretty good. Like it's key. The story is enough to keep the game interesting and to keep kind of just kind of like to keep there are enough like story developments to to keep it interesting and to make it not just feel like you're just walking through killing a million guys which to be fair it really kind of is just (laughs) is what you're doing (laughs) but they give you reason to feel like you're 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 doing they 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 make you feel like you're doing it for a good reason um and it's not just like here's a story now go kill a million guys like things develop as you play through which which Kind of sounds like a basic thing, but I've played enough games that get that wrong to to where I I do appreciate it now when I feel like they get kind of the pacing right. Yeah, as far as that goes. Um, there are I, I won't spoil anything. There there are a couple appearances by one or two other characters from the series, um, and of course there's like you know there's new villains and that kind of stuff in this one. Um, but as we as I mentioned earlier, it's it's the kind of all of those new elements, all of the kind of changes to the to this to this game aside, the one that stands out the most is that this is this is just straight up an action game. Um, the other Resident Evil games, yes, there are action parts, but there's also a big emphasis on like conserving ammo and and like you know playing safely and trying to figure out how to get from here to there. Not necessarily 
by killing guys, but just in the most safest in the in the most safe manner possible. This one is just there. There's a ton of guys coming at you, and you pretty much have to kill most or all of them. Um, there are ammo drops. So like bad guys drop stuff in this game, which is which is also new to the series. They can sometimes they'll drop ammo, which is good because you need a lot of it. Sometimes they'll drop things like herbs, which are of course what you use to heal in the Resident Evil games. Sometimes they'll drop money, which brings up another thing, which is this is also the first uh, Resident Evil game with a shop system. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a shopkeeper that that pops up uh, in certain parts of the games or of in certain parts of the game. And you you buy stuff from them, and that's that's your primary way of getting of getting new weapons and also upgrading the weapons that you do have. Um, you can also there are also parts of the game where you find where you can find like they're they're they're, they're called treasures in the game, more kind of like artifacts or or treasure like things like like a crown or you know like an ancient like Stein or something like that. And you can sell that, that stuff purely exists for you to sell to him. And it's more or less just like, it counts as a lot of money. Um, and he, he, if you're familiar with it, of course, he's got like the famous line that he repeats every time you see him. What are you buying? I guess he's Australian. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> say he's, he's a very mysterious kind of guy. Like he's wearing this, like this big purple cloak and you can't really see his face. And you don't know why, like, Nobody in this, like nobody in the town wants to kill him or like, like, you know, like how is he getting around and stuff? And like, what is keeping That's him safe? That's my thought. Yeah. So he's kind of mysterious in that way, but also like, like I said, you can't see his face or anything. He's got this big cloak and you walk up, you talk to him. What are you buying? Or if you want to sell something, what are you selling? And every single time, what are you buying? And then if you back out and try, and then like, you're like, oh crap, I do have to buy something again. You hit, you hit buy again in the menu. What are you buying? You'll hear, you'll, you'll hear that a million times <laughs> before you're done with this game. Um, but uh, so yes, that's how you, that's how you uh, get new weapons up. You can, you can upgrade your weapons that you do have and also expand your inventory, which this, this game has uh, inventory Tetris. Yeah. So inventory has always been a thing in the resident evil games up until now. It's pretty much just been your inventory capacity sucks figure out a way to deal with it this one there it's like they're it's like they're throwing us a bone in this one it's like it still kind of sucks but we're gonna give you a way to try to finagle it and 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 make it work a little bit better we're gonna give you some mechanic here to 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 like to where you can try to fit things in and if you can figure out a way to fit stuff in then then go for it but it's it's still fairly limited um which i think gets shit on a lot, but I honestly didn't really mind it. I don't mind some degree of inventory management in the games. I do think a lot of the, I do think resident evil one through three really do kind of take it to the borderline extreme where it just makes it to where you have to backtrack a whole lot. But in this one, I don't mind them saying, you know, here's a little bit, here's a little bit more room but you do have to figure out how to put things in there in the most efficient way. Usually it's pretty easy. Everything is a square or rectangle shape. So it's not like you're working with like, you know, like L shaped items or anything like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but I, I don't, I kind of don't mind it. What What are your thoughts on the inventory, Steve? I was, I was a fan of it. It was to me, a neat little challenge and it was a nice way to break up the action. So, 
I liked it more than the like Resident Evil one, two, three system of just yep. like eight or ten individual squares. But it's funny you say that some people hate it. It's super divisive. Like some people hate it. Some people love it so much to the point where you can go on Steam and there are like indie fan games on Steam or Itch where it's literally just that. It's just inventory Tetris exclusively. <laughs> awesome. And built out into a full game. Okay. So okay, so I guess uh, okay, so I guess I had only heard one side of that, yeah. one side of that argument. So it is so so there are fans of this besides just you and me. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I actually agree with this. not not specifically for this game, but I do agree that like inventory management is a nice way to break up the different aspects of games. There are certain games I actually enjoy, like the challenge of keep my inventory organized while like progressing in the game and doing other things as well. It just helps. It's like uh, a prime example for me was Divinity Two. Uh, original sin the inventory management of that game there's a lot of mods for it and i know people use them but i did not and i really enjoyed having like the time to break down my inventory because there was a lot of stuff you had to do with with the inventory that you had and i always really appreciated that because the fights in that game are really intense and difficult and they last you know 15 to 60 minutes depending on the difficulty of it so i always really appreciated having taking the time and like you know having to clean up my inventory and get it all organized for the next next part of the game well yeah, okay. for sure i, I, I thought I don't know. I, I was under the impression that 99% of people just think inventory should be unlimited in all cases. Maybe I was so, just wrong. I, I think that's it's something that people... It, it, this My perspective for a long time has been, I think quality of life is good to an extent. I think quality of life, yeah. when it gets to a point where it takes away some of the, quote, unrecognized minigames... Um, it damages the game. This is, you know, when I talked about Classic WoW way back when we talked about years ago, that was one of the things I was alluding to is like, I think quality of life is great and there's a lot of good aspects to it, but I think at a certain point it starts to damage the product. And and I think this is, for me, this is one of those examples uh, of a quote mini game that, you know, I really enjoy to some extent. Yeah. It, it's about intention, right? Like as long as it's serving a purpose, if it's just like, a, you know, like a, if it was like a Final Fantasy seven or something, there's really no mechanical reason sure. to have a limited inventory but in a resident evil not being able to carry all the tools with you is like an important part of the tension so them finding a, a fun way to uh include that or, and like make it a little more fun than just limiting your slots i think the tetris was like a nice compromise while still maintaining the tension i think that's a good point that's a really good point and, and in in the first three resident evil games i agree that that is an important part of building tension, but also I feel like they, they, they aired too far on the side of too restrictive Yeah, because there are so many times where I'm just backtracking just because I don't have this or that like key in my inventory. And it's not a matter of like, Oh, I can only pick one or two guns. It's more just like, Oh, I got here and I, and I just, and I need this random key. So give me 15 minutes to run through a million doors and then come back again. <laughs> Yeah, you just cost yourself 12 loading times. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh which which actually brings up another point another good point about this one, Resident Evil 4, keys are their own separate inventory which actually is unlimited. Um mm -hmm. keys and treasures, they go into like a separate thing and it doesn't take up it doesn't actually take up inventory space, which I think is another which is which is perfect. Uh, you only have to worry about like you know the like bullets and and what guns you're gonna carry around and uh, healing items pretty much. Uh, so horror 
horror-wise, this obviously, you know, this is a Resident Evil game. It does keep up the theme of horror. I would say it's not as scary as the other ones, just due to the nature of it being an action game. You know, you've got, you all, you pretty much always have plenty of ammo um, to, to, to kill all the guys coming at you. So it's not scary. It, it doesn't, like, keep up this kind of sense of dread in that sense. But, uh... But it does, but it still does a good job of like giving you kind of like, you know, like grotesque horror imagery as well as yeah. the chainsaw guy is, pr- is still pretty fucking scary. <laughs> yeah. When you hear this, <laughs> this chainsaw revving in the background, that's like a real oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if you haven't seen the chainsaw guy on Resident Evil 4, just, just look him up. He's, he's actually scary. And when he, when he get, when he, if he catches you, it's you're, you're instantly dead. It doesn't matter how much health you have. Cause he just, he kills you with his chainsaw and that's all there is to it. Uh, that guy is pretty scary. They did an awesome job with him. Um, there is, there's a lot, there is another, what am I trying to say? There's a, an, there's an important reason to have different weapons in this game besides them. Like you, like in the other ones, it's just like, some weapons are like, you know, the more, the farther you go in getting weapons, typically they're just, the next one is stronger than the last one you found. But in this mm-hmm. one, you do have sniper rifles where, so like you, if you want to snipe somebody far away, that's fine. Or you might want to like go Uzi style and get up closer and just like spray and pray. Um, there are of course shotguns and pistols and that kind of stuff as well. There's also, you can also get a rocket launcher, which pretty much is just a one hit kill on bosses. So, uh, if like, you know, there are several, there are like one or two bosses that they're like really good for that are just pretty, pretty tough. And it's nice to just be able to kill them with a rocket. Mm -hmm. Um, but like they, they do mix it up in that sense. And like, in the sense of like, like it kind of gives you a sniper rifle and things like that. So there, you're not just pointing and shooting. You, you, you are kind of, you, you kind of have a say in how you approach the actiony parts of the game, which, which again is pretty much the game. Um, what am I leaving out? Is that about, is that about all there is to Resident Evil 4? Overall, yeah, it's like a super good game. Uh, maybe it even is great, but, but I just kind of, I was almost surprised. I almost sort of surprised myself when I thought back and I was like, okay, so how much do I like this compared to the rest? And I was like, well, Resident Evil 2, as far as these, as far as these first four go, two is definitely my favorite. One is like super solid for what it was. Three, three wasn't as good as two, but it's still pretty awesome. This one's good, but like for me, it just just doesn't quite have the magic of the first three. Yeah, I, I mean, I can totally see that perspective for sure. Have you played any of the others, or is one, two, three, and four the only Resident Evils that you've played at this point? I've played uh, seven and eight, and I've played okay, so- the remakes of the first three, but I have not played five or six yet. Okay, I, I will say that if the switch to action in four was not to your taste, you're going to have a pretty rough time with five and six because oh, is that right? Yeah. They, they go even harder into the action angle to the point where they even lose some of the like tension and survival horror vestiges that are left to okay. like full on cheesy action movie. So, I mean, Oh, uh, really? I'll be curious if you, if you push through onto five, what you think but i think in terms of like the resident evils that you are really into zero is probably the next one you should check out or code veronica okay 
Yeah, I'm planning on I'm planning on playing at least all of the numbered ones, and then um, probably some of the others as well, like Hood Veronica and stuff. But uh, like I was thinking about it, seven and eight are obviously pretty actiony, and even like the remake of 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 two and three, those are all kind of the the same like engine slash control scheme and that kind of stuff, and they're they're fairly mm-hmm. actiony, but they also they're still they're, like, especially in the per, like in the over the shoulder perspective and the aiming and that kind of stuff. But they're still, they still feel like true Resident Evil games at heart, where you're not just shooting a million guys. There's still a lot of exploration and puzzle mm-hmm. solving and finding keys and that kind of stuff. Um, so, like, I feel like those, like seven and eight in particular, and and the remake of two like do a, a fantastic job of finding the middle ground there of okay here's the controls are better you're not you're not you don't have the tank controls anymore but we still have but you're but we're still keeping the core theme of like survival horror and not action mm-hmm. horror for sure so yeah i'll be interested to see five and six like i said i don't I, i'm not trying to shit on four and, I, and i'm and i may be not giving it like it's due because it really definitely is a good solid game. I like, I, I, I liked it a lot in my playthrough. It's just that it doesn't quite hold up to the other ones to me, but that's not to say it isn't a really good game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Oh, Oh, Oh. And finally, no more ink ribbons. No, <laughs> maybe the best, the, the best thing to happen to resident evil was to get rid of, uh, limited saves you there are you can only save at typewriter still which is fine but you don't have to have ink ribbons to save your game which is <laughs> phenomenal yeah uh, all right let's jump into emails uh steve are you doing okay okay on time still yeah yep. okay all right well, let's jump into emails um we got a few here so so first off so i'm gonna lump two things together first off a, a, a message from from burger champ again uh straight from the polykill discord um i'm i'm gonna lump his that message with him in with this email from someone else from chris in long beach so what we've been asking our listeners is that so we have our um 10 year anniversary coming up this december right yeah december yeah, and yeah, for our yeah for our game of the quarter on that one, uh, we're asking our listeners to write in what our most what our most glaring omission on the classic gaming podcast has been so far. What game have we not talked about that is like a sin that we haven't talked about it yet? Mm. So, Chris in Long Beach. So, these are good recommendations. This is a good recommendation, but there is a caveat which I'm going to get to at the end. So, don't get too excited yet. He says. Hey, I love the show. Looking forward to the 200th episode. It's absolute. I would absolutely love to have you guys play Ogre Battle. Jay suggested it about a year ago, and it wasn't chosen, but this game definitely takes time to get into and really appreciate. Hope you give it a go and enjoy this gem. So that's his recommendation for what we do for that game of the quarter. Very co- like very coincidentally, just a couple days later in the Discord, Burger Champ said that we should play Ogre Battle for that game of the quarter at the end of the year. Here's the problem. I'm playing ogre battle right now. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that probably is. Our, our, I was wondering why, what you were going to say. It was a problem. Like I, I was very, very curious. Yeah. That's the problem is I'm already playing it. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hoping oh, wow. to finish it for the next episode. Um, 
but either way it'll be done before that so that's a no-go just because it'll well, i will already have played it um so keep writing in recommendations for our game of the quarter the end of this year what our most glaring omission is from the podcast so far um we got i think we have two more emails if i can find where i got them pulled up okay here we go we got one from we got one from jeff jeff says hey dudes i'm looking forward to this episode with steve hopefully he's already enlightened you about the virtues of jank <laughs> we did talk about that a little bit <laughs> i rarely watch twitch but when i do it is to pop into blink's stream and see what monstrosity he happens to be playing through and so and somehow having fun with <laughs> I've mostly, well, well, I'll say I was going to start plugging your Twitch. Uh, you're, you're on Twitch. You are blink. Um, so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll yep. give you time at the end to, to, to plug all that stuff. But for anybody curious, uh, Steve is blink. Um, on Twitch where he plays a lot of stuff from his collection. And like you were saying, mostly old janky things that are really fun to watch. <laughs> um, Let's see, but having fun with it. I've mostly been messing around on Breath of the Wild lately, cleaning up shrines I missed and Great upgrading game. all my armor. I'm looking forward to the sequel, but I'm also dying to finally play Metroid Prime since it's on Switch. Too many games, too little time. I started The Last of Us 2. I'm up to minor spoilers. Don't stop. I'm going to take off my headset. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Say something in chat when you're done. Okay. The, <laughs> the part where somebody dies and it sets the main story into motion. Uh, I'm not sure if it's me or the game, but so far I don't enjoy it nearly as much as the first. I feel like I spend 75% uh, of the game with my controller resting on the couch beside me while I watch the cutscenes. Steve, are you a Last of Us fan? Yeah, yeah, I like both of those games quite a bit. Okay, I played a little bit of the first one. I, I it just, it just didn't grab me like, like it probably should have. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, all right, I'll invite Jay back in. Um, yeah, uh, the second one oh. is this, uh, no story involved here, but the second one is just, it is an emotional roller coaster. It takes, it takes a toll on you playing through that game. That's what I, that's, that's exactly what I, what I, what I hear about it. Are you guys watching the show? I, I intend to, but I haven't started it yet. I'm like famously awful at getting around to watching shows or movies. It takes me so, so, so long to start. So does them. Robert. Yeah, I was about to say I'm the same. Because I want to talk about it. Uh, I, I'm watching it. No, obviously no spoilers. I've never played the games. It is way too good of a show. It is terrifyingly good. Awesome. I, I awesome. what's it on? HBO. Okay, I don't have an HBO thing, but I but this is supposed to. I, I even though I'm not a big fan of the games, I thought the show. I thought as a show idea, it really sounded like something that God. I would that I would like. It so. is. It is brutal. Like it. it just, I'll probably give it a shot. Oh my gosh. It's very good. I'm excited <laughs> to watch the next episode tonight, too. All right. Um, let's see. Jeff says, I've been playing Pandemic, Legati Le Le Pandemic Legacy <laughs> Edition Season Zero with some friends. It's the first time I've played a board game that progresses and changes as you go. It's a ton of fun, and I'm, a, and I'm already thinking of which game we should play next. I'm sure Jay may have some suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends. It depends how involved you want to be. My, my favorite board game, I think, is no surprise, is Gloomhaven, Gloomhaven, Frosthaven. But and, that, that and is those are very, the same type of thing, right? Where it's like a progressive thing. Yeah, it's progressive RPG. You make a character. You. It, 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 what's amazing in Frosthaven is the amount of stuff that's happening outside of the actual battles and the main story. 
Oh my God, it's just so ridiculous. Like we, every time you leave town, there's an event that happens. Every time you get back to town, there's an event that happens. And one of the spoilers, somebody's going to play it, but one of the events we had, we uh, were, oh, hold on a second, I'm going to close my door. Um, we were we were going north to an uncharted area and we ran into this, we were in our boat, we just made a boat and we were um, going north and we run into this giant sea turtle and the sea turtle's like, Hey, do you know which ways to land? I've been swimming for for like three months, and I'm getting really tired. And you're like, "Are you a talking sea turtle?" And he's like, "Are you a talking boat?" <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the option to either uh, kill it and take all the resources from him, or guide him to an actual, you know, like civilization. And then based on what you do, there it's kind of like a choose your own adventure at that point. So two different things happen, and we spoiler spoilers. We chose the one where we didn't kill him, and so what happens is later on down the line there's going to be an event that is added that will incorporate him back into it somehow and basically it'll just spawn its own thing so yeah it's, it's, that's one of my favorite parts about the whole Gloomhaven frost even uh, system awesome so uh jeff jeff says it's a ton of fun uh, i'm sure jay has some su- suggestions the fantasy board game he mentioned last episode i don't remember the name sounded, probably mage night sounded good i don't what was the no what was the one that you just got that that would be Frosthaven. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frosthaven is very good so far. We're like sixty hours in, I think, at this point. Damn. Uh, but I looked it up, and maybe it's still too complicated for me until I get good at board games. I also want to find a good game to play with my kids that ties into fantasy or video games. My boys are nine and seven. I remember Rob saying his daughter liked Boss Monster a lot. Maybe they're old enough to get the hang of that. Yeah, Boss Monster is not amazing but it's pretty it's pretty good um, uh five minute dungeons be another good one for seven and nine years old good way to start learning some basic mechanics that's a i one of my friends dungeons. introduced me that it, it's great for i'm gonna use this term but normies people who are not like super <laughs> vested in playing overly complicated board games but it's a really great introduction to learn like some basic mechanics of, of board games is it is it is it good though like not anymore. It was no, at first okay. for me. I just, I, I burned it to the ground. I can't play it anymore. Okay. What else I have? Oh, another one is Munchkin. Munchkin's another really good one mm-hmm. that uh, young young kids would probably enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, Gloomhaven and Frostaven are very involved. So you have to, you have to be, it's, it, think of it like D&D. That's like the best comparison. You have to be very involved. You know what so. I've noticed? Do you ever come across the website Board Game Geek? Yeah, I use it all the time. Are you okay. kidding me? The ratings on that like people are very hard oh yeah like i could find something maybe on amazon that that everybody gives a five out of five stars and then i look it up on board game geek and there's like three out of five two 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 and a half out of five <laughs> like people are ruthless yeah it's 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 in all seriousness it's normies versus people who enjoy playing like yeah. serious board games i will say frost haven has an 8.6 out of 10 and the the main reason is is because of shipping delays isn't that funny? Eight point six is probably like mm. the highest damn game they have on there. Uh, it's one of the, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, just minor side note. If Rob hasn't brought it up because of his modesty, I would really, uh, appre- I don't know where this is going. Oh, I think I do. I would really appreciate it if he took a few minutes to talk about the the half marathon he ran and what the experience was like. Completing your first long race is a big deal. That's awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Heck yeah. I don't know what else. Yeah, I think I yeah. So I brought it up earlier. I don't know if there's. I don't really think there's much else to say about it. Um, I I was happy with how I did. I was I was very excited that I that I beat my uh, best 
13.1 mile time by eight minutes after not really being able to train for three weeks. Like I was very excited about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, aside from that. Oh, and also my, I didn't destroy my knee doing it. My knee actually held up pretty well. I had a new knee brace, um, or it's like more like a, more or less a sleeve that kept me, that kept me from like, just from pretty much having to give up. Like it, it kept my knee in place. It kept it stable. And, uh, I was, de- my, they were definitely hurting when I was done. Like, any steps, it wasn't even the muscles, like, in my leg, it was, like, purely just my knee, I could not do steps for the rest of the day, but, uh, yeah, otherwise, I was, I was very happy with how it went, um, and then he finally says, I thought I had nothing to email about, but now I'm looking at the rambling, unstructured mess that I've written, I hope it's worthy of your valuable time, I know how important it is to all three of you to keep your podcast episodes short and concise. <laughs> Brev- yeah, Steve, I don't know if you know about that, but that is one of our challenges we've been trying to accomplish for the last, uh, how long have you been doing this, Robert? 10 years? Like 30 yeah. years. Yeah, for the last 30 years, we've been trying to keep it realistic. No, I'm I'm no better. I If it's not at least two hours, is it even a podcast? All right, cool. I'm glad we're not the only ones. I I the, the first time we had SNES drunk on, like a long time ago, I was like, yeah, he does a... Uh, he does like really short and concise super, uh, videos on Super Nintendo games. Like he really does a good job of keeping them like quick and to the point. And then I was like, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why we brought him on here. <laughs> yeah. Like it just dawned on me right then. Like he, <laughs> he's the exact, the exact opposite of what we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, and thanks, Jeff. last one from chase the night cleaner He says, Dropping a one-day notice email, and it is short questions of the day. Uh, do you think gaming and gamers, uh, in parenth- <laughs> a very helpful parenthetical here, folks who play games, oh, are, a co- <laughs> are a cohesive community, or do you think the, um, the umbrella term of gamer no longer covers the, co- the community properly, and it's easier to categorize if placed in subgroups like genre, does there need to be nuance? If it's easier to subgroup gaming, does calling oneself a retro gamer capture who they are in the community? Are the, are, are there communities in gaming you do feel like you are a part of? Right, I actually let's, let's... agree with that. I actually agree with everything you said, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I think there definitely do need to be subgroups. Gaming has gotten so big in like the last yeah. 15 years. And whenever it, it makes me like viscerally uncomfortable whenever, I don't know if that's the right sentence, but at work and people are like, oh, do you play video games? I'm like, yeah, like I spend, I play video games. For are you a gamer? And like that word just like, <laughs> yes, it's, oh, it's a loaded just, term. Yeah, because it's like when I think of it, because it's like, oh, my kids are gamers. They play Minecraft in every battle royale that comes out every year. And I'm like, yeah, like that's like a subset of like species of human that sit in that in that specific cesspool. Like it, it, it it's like almost insulting when that umbrella comes out because I'm like, there is so much just dog shit that's in the gaming world today that be like like Raid Shadow Legends. One of one of my um, coworkers, she was like, yeah, my son plays Raid Shadow Legends. Is like What's he's a that? big gamer, and I'm like, it's a it's like one of the most popular mobile games ever. Oh, it's okay, absolute cool. dog shit, but. It's it's just one Raid of those things where Shadow Legends they just throw yeah, yeah it's at a board. super popular. It's like one of those games where it's like pay to win gets you hooked in early, gets you really addicted to doing it, like type things. I, I have some friends that play it too, but it's like my coworker was like, yeah, my son's a big gamer. He plays Raid Shadow Legends. He spends like all this money on it, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, 
they're like, do you play video games? I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to say no. No, I don't. I'm just going to like make it really you know simple what? for that. No, reason. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be clumped together in that, in that category, in that cesspool. It's so funny. I'm, uh, I'm going to start off by saying, I, this isn't, this doesn't even really answer his question. This doesn't even begin to answer his question, but I, I, I really don't like the, the word gamer. Me either. That's why I keep yeah. saying it. Like, it it, it almost bad. feels derogatory at this point. It's <laughs> like, no, I, I would Are prefer you that you don't call me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a cringy term to mm-hmm. me almost in a way. Um, like I would much rather say, yeah, I play games. I, w- I would never, ever say I'm a gamer <laughs> except for now that I say that out loud. I do remember one time a very long time ago where I was way too drunk at a restaurant with some friends and I started yelling out. I'm a gamer. Um, that's a different story. <laughs> that was just, to, that was, that was, but you know, that was for the same reason. That was purely because I thought it sounded so, so stupid that I was like, this is going to be a funny thing to say very loudly and get a reaction from people. Um, it wasn't that funny. Uh, that's, that's where the me being drunk part comes in. But Excellent. moral of the story is I was pretty much doing it because it's a, it's a painful thing to hear. What, what I love too, what, what I think is really tainted that word too, is at a certain point when big companies start to identify that like, oh, that's a, somebody who can market to. And then you have those commercials where people are looking at the camera and they go, I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer. <laughs> that's when I'm just like, I am fucking out of here. Like I am the furthest thing from this point at this point. Like as soon as big company, big company gets involved, I'm like, oh, I am out of whatever this category is. Okay. So, so yeah. I think so with that out of the way, I think kind of the the spirit of his question here is, does it tell you much about about a person if they say, I play games, or does is that pretty much just like, I think, Jay, I think your answer is no, because there's such a wide swath of people who do play video games of one sort or another, yeah. that it's not, it's, you're no longer like, oh, okay. So like, you know, back when we were little, it'd be like, oh, sweet. So that means you have a Super Nintendo. What games do you like? Yeah. Whereas yeah, now yeah. it could mean... A million different things. And it's also being like, uh, my, my dad spends, the, sorry, I walked away from my microphone for a second. Uh, it, like my dad who plays games on his tablet, right? Like he's technically a gamer. Like there's such a broad <laughs> stroke of it now. I, I think almost, I think most people probably play video games in some way, form or another, either on their phone or their tablet or whatever. I, I yeah, I, I think you have to be more specific today. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys disagree? No, no, I, I think so. It, it's hard if you're like a big enthusiast, if gaming is kind of your primary hobby, then you, you probably have like a bucket you could classify yourself in where you're like, Oh, you know, I'm a retro gamer or I'm a speed runner or, um, whatever the word is for people that mostly just play modern games. I'm sure there is a word for that. Those um, are gamers. That's, that's, yeah, where that's true. Or, or I'm a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so many people also just like do some gaming as a part of their like, you know, balanced breakfast basically. Like my my fiance's stepdad, who he would not identify himself as a gamer or even like a gaming as one of his hobbies. Even he like keeps a Nintendo sixty four with like a handful of games that he's that nostalgic for and pops it in every now and again. So I I think it's just sort of like 
it's it's dissipated into the water and it's just sort of part of pop culture in the same way that books and movies and everything else are at this point. No, it's what's interesting to me too is my wife plays a lot of uh, co- what's called cozy games. I didn't even know this was a genre before, but oh, yeah. she really likes playing cozy games like Animal Crossing, and she yeah. has a whole list of them that she's played. And I didn't even know this genre existed. And for me, when I watch her play, I'm like, I hope you have the most fun in the world playing these games. Like, I hope this scratches mm-hmm. whatever itch you're looking for. But for me, I would be like bored, so bored with it. And when when I compare it to like what I play, she's like, you, like that seems so stressful. She's like, I use games to 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 wind down and you know cool off at the end of the day, and you're doing things that are like as stressful as work. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually a, like I totally get that. I will never change because yeah. it's been how I grew up gaming. But it's like it is very interesting because everybody has their own like approach and interest in gaming today too. Yep, for sure, for sure. I think uh, I think Steve made a good point where it's. It kind of joined the swath of things like books and movies where if you tell somebody, yeah, I read books that doesn't tell you anything about that person. That's true. Yeah. And people don't have like, there are words that exist for that, but not in the same way as gamer. There's not like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a bookie or I'm a, I'm a filmer. Like there, there there are ways to describe. Yeah. Like a film buff or I think like, bookie may even be a real term but they're not nearly as common or like yeah that's true yeah <laughs> um okay so one question that i just just came up with to, uh, to piggyback on this where jay you said you had never heard of cozy games yeah is there what was the last genre if you can even think of one was the last game genre that you heard of that you had not heard of does that make sense does that make sense like the 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 last one that you heard that you were like i had never heard of that genre of games before probably cozy yeah so cozy because i remember probably about a year ago uh learning about found object games i think that's what it's called it's basically like where's wall oh yeah video games Hmm. uh which which evidently has kind of like there's a kind of a cult following for that type of game where it's based purely on like, here's a scene and you try to find like hidden objects in the scene. I love, I spies. So, yeah. So that's interesting. That'll be your thing then. A little bit. Yeah. I have the books. I grew up with, I spy books, getting them at the, uh, scholastic book for every quarter. However, from the, however often they did it. Yeah. Those books are expensive though, man. They're like 12 to $20 in the nineties. I can't think of the, the last genre I learned about it. Maybe it was, Battle Royales. What? The last, like, the last thing I learned about that I didn't realize was like gamified and that people played as a game was, oh, what's it called? Uh, GeoGuessr. Oh uh, yeah, the speedrunners and the, the pro yeah. GeoGuessers. Yeah. So oh, if you've never seen it, I know it, what that is. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, they they drop you into a random spot on Google Maps, and then from context, they just like look around and figure out exactly where they are, and then they guess it and place a pin on a map to be like, "This is where I am." But it's yeah, they people speed run it. It's a hundred percent gamified at this point. People are really good at That's it. Pro scene. Yeah, uh, seriously, it, to the point where people can do it like with all sorts of restrictions and stuff, without even like moving around to look at street names and stuff. So. That was the last time that I was like, oh, wow, there is there is a lot of gaming happening in places that I never even thought to look. 
So, so here's a crazy thing. I watched, uh, oddly enough, I was researching this this week because I did this with my team because my team was not familiar with GeoGuessr or mm. the, I forget what the other one we used was, but I was watching videos where this guy, he can um, generally accurately guess which country he's in in one-tenth of a second. So the image pops up for one-tenth of a second. <laughs> he could be in the middle of nowhere and he will figure out where it is majority of the time. Even guy? more, see this. Uh, I'll send you the video if I can find it again. So I found it on my work computer. Even more, yeah. he did one where he identified where he was based off the dirt. He figured out where he was off the <laughs> no. dirt. Just a zoomed image of the dirt. He was like, oh, yeah, this is Northeast Brazil. They have red red dirt there. You can tell by this, this, and this. And I'm like, bro, I thought we were in Northern Arizona. Like, what the hell are you doing? How do you know this? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be able to guess the right hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. I Shit, just... I've got on planet. <laughs> yeah, <This> seriously. <laughs> Is his name Tom Davies? I just I don't know. He is he is a pro player. He is a pro. I I didn't know much about him before, but he's a pro geoguesser. I don't know what that fully entails, but yeah. okay. So two things. I just typed in who's the be or best geoguesser player, and I learned two things. One, it might be Tom Davies because that's the first result that I get, and also geoguesser is spelled without an without an e at the very yeah. end before the last yeah. r. <laughs> yep. Okay. It's a fun, I will say, as somebody who is terrible at uh, geography, it is fun to play. I am absolutely yeah. dog shit, but I do enjoy playing it. Yep. Uh, you've you've cool. done it before? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, it's a fun, it's really fun to do with just people and just getting a call and just do something. Stupid. Oh, we should do that. that yeah. yeah that, 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 I would probably, I think I would blow at that, but it would be fun. Harry's pretty good at it when I do with Harry. Okay, I think that's all from Chase. Uh, yeah, just curious. Thanks for all that you do. And this episode, I hope it's going well. Regards, Chase the Night Cleaner. Thanks, Chase. Thank you, Chase. All right, let's do a quick current gaming subcast because I want to hear, first off, Steve, or from whatever y'all have, but Steve, you mentioned uh, play uh, PlayStation VR 2 earlier. Yeah. What you got? What you got? Tell us about it. Uh, So I, I love VR. I... I don't have any of the PC headsets, but I had PSVR one and I played that a lot and I was like sort of kicking around the idea of getting PlayStation VR two. And then I went and I happened to notice that I had like way more credit card rewards than I thought I did. So I was like, Oh, well, you know what? Let's, let's go ahead and pop on VR two. And it's a pretty nice upgrade and it's, it's a pretty well done headset. I have to say, I picked up a couple games. I picked up horizon call of the mountain which I've never played a Horizon Zero Dawn game. This is my first like Horizon game, but uh, it's it's mostly a climbing game, and some of the like heights and stuff in VR are very like oof. There's been a couple times where you're scaling up these cliff faces, and I'll like miss a handhold and I'll fall, and when I fall in VR, I get the same like sinking feeling in my oh. stomach that you do in like a roller coaster. <laughs> That's awesome. like, that makes me uncomfortable. Like oh, your body yeah. creates that feeling out of nowhere, and it's I love like. That. Oh my gosh. So, um, that, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. And then I also picked up a game called What the Bat, which is like my, it, it's basically my inventory management of VR, but Ooh. it's, it's just the way to, uh, to calm down in between bits of Call of the Mountain. It's, uh, you play as a character that has baseball bats for hands. And then it's just a series <laughs> of little mini games where you have to figure out how to usually knock over a trophy with your, baseball bat hands so you know it starts out awesome and, and it's it's a very comedy focused game so it starts out you hit the ball a baseball into the trophy cool um then the sec the next mini game will be you'll go to hit the baseball but instead one of your bats will fly off and hit the trophy cool <laughs> and then it starts getting ridiculous and from there there's you know you're, you're going into like 
outer space and you're like controlling tornadoes that knock over <laughs> the trophy and all sorts of it's just like an escalating stakes goofy comedy game it's it's super cool that sounds pretty awesome yeah it's it's really good it's the same studio that did a game called what the gulf which is the same idea but i was, I was about VR. to ask if it was related yeah so super super fun but yeah, I love the headset. It's very good. Do, do either of you do VR at all, or have you? Not yet. My wife got one. I just haven't used it yet. I've been—I don't know why I haven't just been avoiding it. I Which think. one did she get? Uh, she got a what's the one from Meta? The Quest. Yeah. She got a Quest Two, I think. Nice. Yeah, got... the VR Two is pretty similar to that. Maybe maybe like a slight upgrade, but they're pretty on par. I've got the first psvr or it's my daughter's she, she got she wanted it for christmas a few mm-hmm. years back um I've, so i've played a little bit of that and like it's for me and and tell me if if psvr 2 fixes this it's like i it is fun but it's one of those things it's like such a hassle to get out and set up and all that stuff that's like most yeah. times i just want to chill on the couch and play a game and i don't want to go through the hassle of of getting it going but if you do have a bunch of time and you get everything moved out of your area and you set it up like some of the games. Yes, they are pretty cool. Um, yeah. But it's just that barrier of having to do all that. You still have to move your furniture and stuff out of the way. I mean, there are seated games, but it's way, way easier than the first one. Um, one, the first one uses PlayStation Move controllers, which the tracking was never great on. And the new one uses like these new controllers that they call Sense controllers that... Um, are very similar to the MetaQuest controllers, and they they work super well. The new headset has inside-out tracking, which means that it it identifies its location based on cameras on the headset, so you don't need to have a camera set up on your TV. And you don't need to have, like, a breakout box or anything. So you literally, you unbox it, you plug one USB-C cable into the front of the PS5, and that's all you have to do. Oh, you can play that it. is, that's actually like, that's huge compared to, yeah. the, the, I don't even remember, but there's like, you actually have to follow the instructions on getting the first one plugged it, in properly. It's so yeah. There's like a breakout box and they, the, the, you have so many HDMI cables that they had to number them like one uh-huh. through four as to which one goes where. Yeah. It's way, way, way easier now. That's awesome. Uh, oh. Jay, any, any, any current gaming stuff that you've been getting into that you want to mention? No, oddly enough, just Frosthaven. That's uh, been my primary focus for a while now. So, and it will be for <laughs> several more months, I guess. Nice. Nice. I do oh. have one that I've been really having, like probably the most I've enjoyed a modern game, like as, in as long as I can remember. Steve, I think you said you've been playing this one a little bit too. Theatrhythm Final Bar Line. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, I, I'm addicted to it. It's so good. I am too. Holy shit. Like, so I, I didn't even, <laughs> I've never even played. There, I don't even know. Like, I know there's one, there's at least one other theater of them game. It was on the, it was on the DS. Was there just mm-hmm. the one or have there been others? There were two back to back on the 3DS. And then there, it is an arcade game in, I think mostly only in Japanese arcades, but there's a couple North American arcades that have them. But this is, this is the first home console port and the first like, console or handheld release since those 3ds ones okay this is i've never played any of these games before but i kept hearing good things about this um and i was finally like you know what this sounds really good and holy shit i am like i cannot get enough of this so the so the premise so it's not in the title oddly but it's a final fantasy based (laughs) game um and it's it's a rhythm game 
So it's the, the, the songs that you're, you know, like hitting buttons to the beat to are all Final Fantasy songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but so but it's not just here's a Final Fantasy song. Try to like hit the beat just right to it. Like they've really like gamed it, like gamified it super duper well where you're picking your party and you're unlocking stuff and different like levels that you're going like as, so as you're doing a song you you have a party of four characters and they're going along like they're walking along the bottom of the screen fighting bad guys and when you so i'm not a like i'm i'm still not 100% clear on some of the mechanic um, on some of the mechanics but more or less when you miss notes you take damage mm-hmm. when you hit them just right you do like crit damage right yep and then there are certain notes that are like i think like extra crits basically yeah where if you hit those ones right your characters will do like a stronger attack okay and also while you're doing this the more you hit right um you're building up a summon gauge and eventually Mm -hmm. you will eventually you'll summon like you pick whatever your summon is like you you get summon stones as rewards sometimes like it's it's like an item that you kind of randomly find so you pick and like as you do that you you add a summon to your party and it's like okay when i build up my summon gauge this is a summon that's going to come but sometimes this is one of the things i'm unsure about sometimes i don't have a summon gauge and i don't know why i i'm not sure either i don't know if there's something where like certain levels are like have those disabled or if i'm forgetting to set them sometimes but yeah it's it's pretty hard to keep any track of like <laughs> what's the going fight on. that's happening. You yeah. kind of just like get to the end. Like you'll know you want to summon something because <laughs> the background will fly a bunch of colors. But you just kind of get to the end of the song and then you're like, all right, uh, let's see how well I did, I guess. Right, right. You see like what, what guy they're fighting at the yeah. very end when it's all said and done. That's Because pre- yeah. yeah, you can't, like you said, you got to pay attention to the notes and all. It's really hard to watch what's actually happening. But there is stuff going on and there are like battles where it says okay like there's a boss in this one and he's weak to lightning so you want to get as many guys you want to like trade out your party to get as many guys who are like you know who do lightning damage as as possible um you've got healers like if you put a healer in your party that you know gives you more health from like when you miss beats um there are summoners which which will make the summons come faster or do more damage when you summon them um then there are like like kind of like support people which will find more items and find and like kind of like do, like find more summon stones or find more treasure chests or things like that but mm-hmm. um like so they've got all that stuff going on where you're where you're picking your party beforehand and that also has like an, a really well in my opinion a really well done like unlocking system where when it starts you off it's got a list of all the final fantasy games and like a few other like kind of like Final Fantasy spinoffs and you have one key to unlock one series. And then when you get a certain like way, usually not very far, it's usually like four or five levels into one series, Mm -hmm. then you get another key and then you can unlock another one. And every, and when you unlock a new series, not only do you unlock those levels, but you also unlock the characters from that series that you can use in, in any other series. So it's more party members that you have to choose from. Um, so as you're unlocking songs, which the music, of course, is freaking amazing because it's all Final yeah. Fantasy music. Um, 
you're also you also have this like really awesome sense of progression as you're going along it's like oh yeah i just mm-hmm. unlocked this and that or like i've still got these things to unlock and i, I get farther into this one now you feel good because you got a key and you can go like you know now i'm gonna try final fantasy 4 for instance um and uh and you're getting like you're leveling your guys up also as you're doing this so they're so they're stronger and then you have like quests on all of the levels so you can finish a level but not necessarily finish the quest on it the quest might be you know like uh get through the whole thing with with more than 80 percent health or do mm-hmm. this without without healing or you know do this and make sure you kill the boss in 20 seconds or something like that so and those give you more things for doing that and you also unlock like little like cards that a lot of them are like are little kind of like almost like like trading card type things that will that you can kind of go through and just like flip through and look at, but they also give you little stat boosts. Also just like artwork from the series. Mm-hmm. Um, you're unlocking a lot of that stuff. So there's a whole, there's a lot of stuff where it's like, Oh cool. Now I can go and look at like, not only did I get to play through this awesome song. Now I get to go through and like, look at all the, the cool stuff that I've unlocked. Yeah. And there's a ton, like ton. There's a ton, over a, a thousand of those cards to get. And it's not, every song from like every final fantasy game, but, and I don't even know exactly how many songs are in there, but it's, it's got to be like 300 songs. It's just an absurd amount. Yeah, there are a ton, but yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not every one from every game. Um, I've been playing, I've been so, so <laughs> last night, uh, my wife and my, my, there was, there was a play that my daughter wanted to go see with some of her friends and my wife took her and her friends to go see it. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to play some, uh, I'm going to play some, I can't, I, I can never remember the exact order of the words in the title of this game. Theatrhythm final bar line. I was like, all right, I'm going to play some final bar line and, uh, then, then like go upstairs and, and play some other stuff. So I got on and I played final bar line for a little bit and then they came back home and I was like, why are y'all, <laughs> I was like, why are you guys back so early? <laughs> And my wife was like, we've been gone two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. so yeah needless to say i've been super sucked sucked into this game I've, I've never played one i've never even i don't even know if i've ever played any type of rhythm game before i've played like oh. rock band once or twice oh see i love rhythm games so this is that's good to know that you've never played one so yeah it, if you're a big rhythm game fan this is super good and if you're looking for kind of like a first rhythm game to sink your teeth into it's also super approachable because it's music that most everyone knows most people have played at least one of the final fantasies so you'll be familiar with the songs which helps you be on like on beat and on rhythm what was the first what was your first unlock when you when you first launched the game what was your very first one yeah uh i did final fantasy uh it was nine yeah final fantasy nine solid my first one was seven that, Pro- yeah, probably that, is the cliche pick, yeah. it's probably the cliche one but like besides just being such a great game i was like i just really love the music in that one in particular yeah i mean you can't go wrong with any of it and and i i unlocked seven very shortly afterwards too seven ten nine and six were like my my priorities to get unlocked asap yeah six also six is probably as far as like not even thinking about this game as far as final fantasy soundtrack six is probably my favorite um, there was a minor disappointment where they don't have uh, they don't ha- uh, they don't have shadows theme 
on this one. Yeah. Shadow's his name, right? I'm not, I'm not yeah. his name. Okay. They don't have his theme, but they have like everything else, everything else that you would expect. Yeah. Um, I was also slightly disappointed that Lulu is not one of the characters you get from Final oh. Fantasy X. Uh, you get Yuna, Aron, and of course Titus for that one. Yeah. Oh, and you yeah, also some of them you get most, and some you only get a handful. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of kind of funny, like some of the ones that you don't get as many as you would think. But uh, also when you complete a series, you get like whoever the villain from that one was. You get you want you unlock them as a character. Mm-hmm. So uh, like yeah, super awesome game, highly recommended. Um, anybody have anything else or are we good to go? No, sounds, sounds, I, think, I think we're good. <laughs> sounds like we're good. All right. Well, okay. So quick final few things. Um, send us some emails, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Tell us amongst whatever else you want to tell us what we should play for our 10 year anniversary game of the other quarter. than ogre battle, other than ogre battle. Um, <laughs> We will uh, we'll figure that out and we'll kind of come to a consensus on that once we get some once we get some ideas. Our game of the quarter now is Super Mario Sunshine, and that will I, I think that's going to be our next episode, Jay. Let's see if we're on schedule. The next one, yeah, it would be March nineteenth. Yep. So we will be playing Super Mario Sunshine. If you want to also play and write in your thoughts, please do so. Again, March nineteenth would will likely be the uh the the day that we record that episode so try to get your email in before then um steve where can people where can people follow you what's what are all of all of the things you are involved in and all that kind of stuff yeah um so you can follow me on twitter or twitch at blinkum that's o-o-m at m like Mega Man is how it ends um yeah on twitch i stream three times a week usually uh, pretty wide variety of stuff. A, a lot of it's retro, just because sort of like mathematically, more great games are retro than not retro. Um, but we play uh, all sorts of interesting jank and imports and weird stuff over on the Twitch stream, so come hang out there for sure. Uh, and if you want to hear me on other podcasts, I'm on two different podcasts. One is Polykill, which is a podcast all about beating your video game backlog. And I'm also on IndieQuest which is a podcast that is uh, sort of a review show and an exploration of a lot of modern indie games. Well, modern and sort of retro. You can you can start to debate where the retro line falls, but uh, yeah, indie games of all kinds. And you can find both of those podcasts and more at polymedianetwork.com if you're so inclined. Awesome. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. I'm at King Octavius. You can follow us, the podcast, at Class Gamescast. Please check us out on iTunes. Uh, tell all of your friends. Let's check us out. Leave reviews on iTunes or wherever else you can leave reviews about us. Tell all of your friends about us. Um, again, our email address is mail at classicgamingpodcast.com if you want to write in about just whatever the hell you feel like. And uh, I don't know. I, I think, I'm not sure in my in my outro notes for this episode. I think this might have had something to do with the last one where I copied and pasted some stuff, but I just have... Fuck you, TurboTax written down. <laughs> oh, dude, fuck TurboTax. Fucking do it. Oh, my God. I've been saying it to everybody. I just keep saying it to people the last couple of weeks because people are like, oh, yeah. And I, I, the other thing, too, don't forget, you can fi- if you make under 73K a year, you can t- file for free online outside of Intuit and TurboTax. Yep. And it's uh, you actually will get a higher refund than you would with TurboTax. So nice. if you can, definitely do it. 
because fuck Intuit, fuck TurboTax. Did we talk yeah. about that last time or something? Is that where that came? I from? don't know. I I'm like if I ever was in politics in any way, shape, or form, that is one of the first things that I would want to fix because it's just <laughs> so ridiculous that they are making their own need for a product that should never have existed. Yep. Oh, that makes my blood boil. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's a very hot topic. I mean, I hate that so much. I argue with my parents about that all the time. Which you is, must like, have said something about it last argument. time, and I had it in my notes and accidentally copied and pasted it over or something like Maybe. that. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Well, Steve, it was lots of fun having you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, Happy to come back anytime. Pleasure was all mine. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll be back. In, we should be back in about three weeks. Bye.